Welcome to British Wrestling Spotlight on the Indie Corner Network, where each month we take an in-depth look at one of the leading promotions in British wrestling. I'm Benno. And I'm Joe. And I'm JP. And today, we'll take a look at what we've been watching since our last show, before shining a spotlight on our featured review, which this month is Attack Pro Wrestling's Chris Travis Tag Team Invitational. We're a little bit late on this, our, our second show. We had some minor to major technical difficulties uh, we were planning on doing a month where we looked at uh, what culture pro wrestling we will still take a look at what culture pro wrestling today maybe in a more abbreviated form than we did plan um but yeah we thought this month with it being probably the most famous show happening uh, in british wrestling and certainly a big news story we thought it'd be a good month to take a look at attack um, and their tournament so that's what we'll be doing today i mean guys joe jp how are you today how do i find you all good, but like you, Benno, I mean, a bit of, a bit of cold, a bit of man flu. Yeah, that's it. We're all uh, apart from Joe, we're all feeling a little bit under the weather here. So Joe's the one uh, healthy member of the team here today. The nets, <laughs> the nets closing in on so it. So you're mate. relying on me. <laughs> we are. We're yeah. leaning heavily on you today, Joe. <laughs> Absolutely. So normally with our show, what we do is we first we take a, a look at what we've been watching. So we go through all the different shows we've either watched live in person or seen on VOD before, as I said before, we take a look at our featured review, which this month is Attacks Chris Travis Tag Team Invitational. So let's get right to it, guys, our What We've Been Watching segment this month. Joe, I'll let you kick off. What have you been watching this month? Uh, so this month I watched uh, Progress, Chapter 44. This was the first ballroom show since Chapter 23 that I've not been at live, unfortunately. Um, I was originally meant to be seeing Southampton in the cup final that day, uh, unfortunately, I didn't end up getting a ticket, bloody corporate tickets. Um, and I was then going to try and go to Progress, but I also happened to move house on the same weekend. So I think a cup final, first one in 14 years, justifiable with a girlfriend, but a regular Progress show every month. Can't really justify that one. So I ended up watching this one on VOD last week, which was a bit, it was a, bit of a strange experience. So Obviously, I've watched progress stuff on VOD before. Before I started going to shows, I would do it. Um, but a bit of, I've watched the Manchester shows and the Sheffield show on VOD. But watching a ballroom show that I hadn't been at on VOD was, uh, yeah, a little bit of a different experience. Um, I thought the show was a perfectly good show, once again. There's a lot of variety on the card, for one. Um, one thing that I was definitely really impressed with was the standout match between Shane Strickland and Mark Andrews, mm. which I thought was pretty outstanding if I'm honest um, Mark Andrews I think is a really good guy to just put out there with another high flyer just before intermission they did it last year with Matt Cross and they got a real result of a great match there as well and this kind of reminded me of that situation where they throw him in there with a high flyer who a high flyer from the US who has some buzz but doesn't have like super super buzz so a guy who is looking to have a good match to maybe increase his buzz. So you had Matt Cross in there last year, who I remember sort of 10 years ago was M-Dog 20. Wasn't a big fan of his. I think he's improved <laughs> massively in that time. Uh, so similar situation, really good high-flying uh, match, really good back-and-forth match that made both Andrews and Strickland look great as well. 
really sort of worked to the benefit of both guys, I thought. Um, so I was really impressed with that match. For me, that was the definite match of the night on that card. I was gutted I wasn't there live for that one. Um, thinking of the other matches that were on the card, one thing that did definitely stand out was the Pastor William Eva versus my favourite heel in uh, Progress, Sebastian. <laughs> oh, what a... What a worker this man is. He's, like, he's oh. our show's favourite heel, isn't he? Not, every, not everyone loves him, but we uh, certainly do. Oh, that, he's, I'll be honest, he's not the greatest in the ring. Mm-hmm. Um, but everything that he'd done up to now led to this. And there wouldn't have been anywhere near this level of heat or interest if it hadn't been for him being such a cock for <laughs> show after show <laughs> yeah. up until this point. And he knew what he had to do at this point. He knew that it was time to sacrifice himself to put his body on the line, um, to take the beating, because that's the role he was playing. And really, Eva, after months of falling a bit cold, really after he lost the title to Marty, he really hasn't been that hot. I've really thought that he's kind of lost a step. Yeah. I've, when he's had an opportunity to sort of have a straight-up match, I've not been impressed with his work, really. Um, here, I thought he showed a lot more intensity. He showed a lot more character. Um, and it made him look great. Like one one match has just made him look great again, and it's interested me a lot more in him as a character straight away. Definitely. What I will say, I gonna, sorry, Benno. Yeah, I was just going to say, Joe. I mean, you, you mentioned before you unfortunately you couldn't make the show there live. I ha- happened to be one of the lucky ones who uh, who got to be there. I was standing there on my own in the corner, very sad that uh, that you two guys weren't there. Ah. Um, but yeah, I mean, mate, I was sat on twickets all day. <laughs> That's the They've got oh, so it's popular, ridiculous. haven't they? That it's uh, it, it used to be hard to get tickets via the the tickets yeah. medium, the last minute tickets, but now it's it's borderline impossible, isn't it? it? It's it seemed to be the last. I mean, selling out for the next chapter seemed to be around thirty to forty seconds because I I made a stupid um, decision to try and go for front row, and that mere error that probably cost me all of ten fifteen seconds meant I'm going to be hanging around. Waiting for emails from Twickets. I think since the UK tournament, these tickets have been going like absolute gold dust. Mm. Whereas the yeah, sorry, Benno, I do think that's a big part of it, isn't it? I think the uh, the UK tournament for its for its faults and uh, some of the things we've had problems with. Uh, one positive thing for the British scene, yeah, I think these there's a, just a higher profile, isn't there, for for the likes of Progress? They definitely seem to yeah. be uh, increasing. One anyway. thing I've said is the chance that I could hear while I was watching this. I know there was a bit of controversy online afterwards mm. as well, and Jim himself said something from the Progress fan group. Yeah. But one thing that I definitely did hear was uh, were sort of not necessarily chance, but comments uh, towards certain wrestlers that seemed a bit sort of unprogress mm. um so there was some there was sort of uh abuse about sebastian being gay at one point yes um which seems really backward considering say, say the role that sex fifth plays in progress and the whole you know the company called progress so let's not you know regress yeah <laughs> i mean i didn't hear that myself being there and i was just gonna say yeah, in the building there was definitely that that nonce uh chant that went going which yeah. obviously means quite a quite a different thing although some would say yeah. there's some um, there's some inherent issues with using that word, which is a word that Sebastian seems to band about on the uh, the internet quite a bit and had it thrown back in his face by the crowd. But yeah, I mean that, that's the reason I was going to bring up being there live that the crowd had a it was I mean we've said it before about Sebastian he gets a, a genuine angry response. I mean you know we've talked in the past that there's even people in the ballroom who when he comes out they literally are during this match as soon as Sebastian's music hit. Um, three or four people from the front row got up and left 
Yeah. Um, Arnold, Arnold Furious has got a picture of him up on Twitter where he's got his back to the match drinking a pint. I think I it's think a lovely, lovely photo. <laughs> I think he did end up taking in the match, but if anyone didn't, he, oh. he definitely missed out, didn't he, Joe? I mean, how did they come oh, across yeah. on VOD? I mean, mm. Some of the spots in this one were particularly sick live. I mean, that running crucifix powerbomb into the crowd, especially. I mean, that was just, from a live point of view, I, I mean, I thought Sebastian was dead. Well, what I thought watching it on VOD was there's a lot of heat here. This is this is what Pastor William even needs uh, to get get his momentum going again. Mm. Um, one thing I'll say it wasn't it wasn't perfect by any means. There were spots of the match that I thought were a little bit kind of the structure of it was poorly thought out. I thought at times. So that spot where Sebastian takes the crucifix bomb into the chairs. Mm. I knew about that spot beforehand after speaking to you, Beto. Mm-hmm. So I thought that would play into the finish in some way. But he sold it big, and it was like this big moment in the match. But then he was sort of up competing again a couple of minutes later. Yeah. And I thought the, some of the momentum and some of the kind of um, meaning that that spot had kind of lost a little uh, mm-hmm. because Sebastian was up sort of competing with Pastor William Eva again. I thought that that should have sort of played into the finish because it was kind of the highlight and the sort of the pinnacle of that match, if anything. So I did think that showed the inexperience on the part of both guys again, uh, but they hadn't thought to sort of put that later on in the match to get sort of maximum meaning and get the maximum they could from that sort of moment. Um, that was a bit of a shame. I've got to say, I think the blood worked to Eva's advantage as well. Mm. Some of the images of him that uh, were posted around afterwards and the kind of image of him celebrating afterwards the kind of crimson mask, I think it made him look more sort of badass. Um, it probably increased like the levels of respect that, you know, us guys have. I've, I've always had my doubts about him in the ring. Um, but it's that, that different sort of match. Uh, and it gives his character something a little bit more as well, because he's been able to compete in a style of match that you, I've never seen him compete in previously. Well, I thought watching this that he, he came across as Tommy Dreamer for all yeah, intents and purposes. Show. Just, I just thought, okay, this is progress as Tommy Dreamer, which is the role which he kind of should do, but he hasn't had to have that kind of earning the respect of the crowd necessarily. But in this, I felt after this match like you did, just how hot he was. I don't know if you felt the same way, Benno Live, because he, he, we'd seen him. I mean, he, even at uh, Chapter 43 at Tropic Thunder Bastard, when we'd arrived, he was part of the ring crew, which obviously played into the angle, but you see that and you think, wow, this guy was champion. I, th- I think that Not was that. that was the thing, yeah, that he was... Once you make somebody like that, it was like a fluke win when he won the belt. Well, maybe not a fluke win, but it was an unlikely win when he won the belt. And it's kind of where you go from there. And they gave him this story that's, you know, some people have been relatively high on it. I suppose we have in part, but even we've had our criticism of some of the story. I mean, yeah, the stuff around thing, yeah. the secret. I mean, yeah. what is the secret? I don't think I don't think we're ever going to find out what the secret was. There was a apparently we, we there was a whole thing here, wasn't there? That you know, before the match. Uh, they had Chuck Mambo coming out and saying that uh, the reason that that uh, Sebastian had this hold over Pastor William Eva was that um, he was going to sue him for, for hurting him. Uh, and that was the reason that Eva was falling around. I mean, we've talked in the past, haven't we, that yeah. we quite clicked on that that's what the actual story had, had morphed into. Um, post I've got to say, if this was on Raw, I would have been running through this yeah. straight away. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have given it yeah. attention. But at the same time, I think it really it peaked at the right moment, didn't it? I think this match yeah. was the peak. It was a great... I think, uh, like you said, Eva needed something like this. He needed this strong win, clean in the middle with yeah. his line. 
Sebastian finally got his comeuppance. I mean, he, the parts where uh, we even turned Chris Roberts' babyface for a little while, refusing to let Sebastian use his, uh, his homemade kendo stick, the security not allowing him to run away, and then and then Jim Swarman telling him essentially to to fuck off at the end of the match. I think it was just the the perfect blow off for the for the Sebastian character, and it did make me think, you know, where do you go? From here with that character, you know what what could be. Could yeah, be I've, I've saw there there's rumours of him retiring hmm. and moving abroad. Hmm. Oh, so who knows? Yourself. That's something. But yeah, I I'd agree with you. Live, it was definitely a, a highlight of the show for me as well. Another match that I was really impressed with and really into was the Travis Banks Jordan Devlin match. Yeah. Again, I think it was another match that did a lot for both guys. Mm. Um, Devlin, I love the way that he plays off those spots in the uh, UK tournament. Mm. And it shows, it plays off what relevance that has in the wider UK scene and how his profile has been boosted by that tournament. I knew he was before the tournament, but I'd never seen him. Yeah. But now I feel like I know a lot more about him. I thought he looked quite impressive in the match. I thought him and Banks had some chemistry. But I thought Travis Banks came out of it looking like a superstar. It was a really convincing. I think it was his first. Was it his first singles match in progress? I've got a feeling it was. I think so. It was. It was essentially the Fight Club Pro. I think it is. Travis Banks it? were. Uh, it was. Yeah. We're all used to seeing, wasn't it? It was kind of. It was a a hint of maybe the the power that you could have with a with a babyface run for Travis Banks yeah. in, in progress. I think there are big things to come for him in progress, and this match was sort of the start. Maybe you could argue the tag match was with Ring Camp the month before, but there was something there, and he connected with the fans as well um, the fans seemed like they were really into this one they were really mm. into his character they were really into that sort of baby face sort of fire that he was showing and that intensity at times as well well you've got an interesting scenario coming up where TK Cooper and Dahlia Black have to go back to New Zealand I believe to get their work permits renewed to come back to the UK which does and obviously that's going to take some element of time I, I, I would hope to God they're allowed back in because they are fantastic but at the same time, I think if a, Tra- a Travis Banks single face run in progress could easily be on the cards. And then you've got a natural sort of feud then with when TK Cooper comes back. I mean, there's there's so many ways you can go with him. And, and as we've all seen, we've seen him being really well used by a number of promotions at the moment. And he's apt, he, he just seems to be at the moment on a real hot streak of just even, even the, the sort of most average of his matches are still very good. Mm. Absolutely. What did you guys think of uh, Session Moth Martina? I, I mean, I would say, I was about to say then, with, with Jordan Devlin, this was very much, you know, you look at the, the month before, it was uh, the month where we got a lot of the, the Germans in progress. Uh, this month um, it was the Irish who were coming. And yeah, I thought Jordan Devlin uh, made a good account for himself. And I, I thought Martina, I mean, live, definitely... You know the entrance with the glow sticks with the, the progress uh, staff handed out was really good. Uh, I enjoyed uh, pining after TK Cooper. Um, I thought all those spots yes. were quite good as well, and all the normal stuff. The cigarette. cigarettes and beer, exactly. I mean, I, I quite enjoyed it. I mean, how did they come across on the VOD? For me personally, I don't know. I think if I was there live, I might. I thought it might be a little bit different. Mm. But I was. Yes. I, I don't know. I wasn't that interested watching it back. The TK Cooper stuff, I was enjoying. Um, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say I disliked her on any level. I just think I'd have to be there live to really get it because uh, it's my first time seeing her. Um, so I do think I think she's on the uh, Fight Club Pro show I'm going to this weekend. Mm. So I think once I've seen it live, maybe my opinion will be a little bit different. But I don't want to. Um, I don't want to develop an opinion, let's say, on her before I've seen her in a live environment. I think as well, I'd like to see a, a, seeing her in OTT 
in sort of her natural habitat where the where the actual gimmick itself and the nuances of of a Dublin stereotype is gonna is gonna work a lot better. I mean, I have to say I've got Irish family. And I was really, and this was one of the reasons I was gutted to miss out on on a ticket. Sorry to hark on this one. I had, I had my my sort of vintage Republic of Ireland top ready to go <laughs> for that Sunday, and it wasted. I don't frankly. think Roy Keane would like her somehow, though. I'd... I think he'd hate her. Let's be honest, <laughs> he'd despise her. He would. I got to say, the, give, the gimmick it's unique. It makes her stand out. It's memorable. I'm not going to forget that entrance yeah. anytime soon. That's going to stay in my head for a while. So. She's got that going for her for sure. And to be slightly, I suppose, negative about it, I don't think this match was any worse than a couple of the other women's matches we've seen in progress over the last few shows that we that we ourselves have seen live at the time and, and thought. Ooh, yeah, it's oh. been a mixed bag this uh, natural progression series so far, hasn't yeah. it? So I mean, I definitely wasn't opposed to maybe a more character-based match that that we got here than uh, some of the yeah. weaker efforts we've had on previous shows. I mean, I mean, other than that though, Joe, I mean, any other uh, lasting thoughts from this show? What did you What did you make of the main event, the uh, the big six-man tag? Uh, I thought it was a decent match. I've got to say, I know a lot of people don't love the kind of uh, triple kind of spots and stuff. I was really into that. I thought it was really good fun. I loved the triple pedigree spot. Um, I liked it when Tyler went for the Tyler driver, when Pete and uh, Trent did the pedigree. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Again, playing into the whole uh, WWE UK tournament once again. Um, I thought it was an interesting match character-wise on the face side of things because I loved Haskins and Morgan Webster's comeback at the last show. But then here, I almost felt like it didn't highlight them enough mm-hmm. and that there were too many components in this match to really make them both stand out in a big way um, mm. on this stage. So I do question in hindsight whether this was the best way to have them uh, both sort of return. Um, as a match, I thought it was really good fun. I was entertained throughout. Trent Seven was is great in these sort of environments and in these sort of matches. There are little subtle things that he does that I just really sort of enjoy, little comments that he makes. Um, I like the kind of team captain role that he plays with Trent and, uh, sorry, with Tyler and Pete at times as well. I thought the end was kind of interesting as well. For me personally, I thought going into the match that this was an opportunity to maybe uh, tick off a title match for a month to, re- to re-establish Flash Morgan Webster. I thought if he gets a win here, he gets a win in, in a big six-man main event. You give him a match next month in Manchester where he looks credible. Obviously, he's not going to win the title, but he looks credible against Pete Dunne. Uh, he gets the will of the like the will of the fans is on his side once again. You rebuild him, uh, and he looks great going forward. Um, so I was a little bit surprised that they're going with, with Havoc again versus Dunne in Manchester. I get it from the perspective that they may be looking to give Manchester uh, a bigger match again because often people have sort of criticised the Manchester shows for being B shows and put a death match in Manchester mm-hmm. with Havoc. Well, it, I'm sure he's got to get the title eventually. On his birthday uh, of all things as well. Oh, exactly. The end. So I, I get it from that perspective. Um, there were things about it at points that I, 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 fi- I found a bit annoying. There was a point where there was a couple of Canadian destroyers, for example, oh, yeah. and there were lots of pile drivers that were kind of just kicked out of willy-nilly. And I, I find it a bit annoying. Pete Williams is probably going mad if he's watching this. <laughs> but 
when the Canadian destroyer, which is a visually impressive move and looks quite devastating, it's just become a, a move for a, a near fall. I wonder almost whether it's worth the risk and the kind of setup for taking it and everything. Yeah. I think that's a move that should be sort of valued a little bit more as a finishing move. Um, but then again, in these sort of matches and these six mans that we seem to that seem to become more and more prominent, and I'm kind of kind of happy for that. Uh, there are lots of kind of faults and flaws if we want to get technical with some of the selling and with some of the ways that people recover from certain moves, let's say. Um, but you kind of let it go in this sort of environment because of how many components there are and because of how you build, say, certain finishes in this type of environment as well. Absolutely. I mean, I, I've got that on my notes. Uh, was this a good match? And my answer to that question is, depends how much you're into selling. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, as soon as they come out, though, and it's this Tornado-style six-man tag, you know what you're in for, don't you? You know what you're in yeah. for when it's uh, the British Strong Style guys. And it is. It, it's a match that definitely, I thought, worked in the building. Um, and it's just one of those that... It's a bit like a, your, your Young Bucks main event. Um, where it that, kind of mind, yeah. spot, 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 build to a crescendo. Um, maybe if you're into your classic storyline, there isn't loads there for you. But if you're into a, a spectacle, I think they, they certainly delivered here. Uh, with there, this there, was an, there was enough storyline stuff going forward as well, I thought. Mm. Um, there was that little bit of dissension between the face side as That's well. True. They sort of teased at the end, which I thought was quite interesting. Um, I wonder where they're going sort of long term, really. I can't. Is it Haskins? Is it Havoc they're going to go with? It, it really, I hate to say it, it's the, it's the looming spectre of the WWE that kind of in a way dictates that and dictates yeah. where they go from here and, and who they're able to invest I, in. And you'd like to think Jimmy Havoc would be a guy they could invest in. I, I think it's probably going to be with progress. I, Haskins... I've got a feeling he's going to be off. He's booking those Evolve shows, or WWN Super Show. Um, yeah, I, if I you can pass see, the medicals, then yeah. Yeah, I can see why WWE would be interested in him for sure as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, one last point I wanted to make about this show is I said it was a little bit weird watching a ballroom show on demand. One of the things I did find quite distracting and quite annoying at times throughout this was the camera work and a bit of the editing. Um, I've had friends previously, a big wrestling fans, who I've recommended Progress to, and I've said, oh, give this a watch, and they've complained about the uh, camera work and about the editing at points. I'd sort of taken that for granted previously, but watching this, and I watched this in one go, didn't have a sort of pause or watch it over a couple of days, I sort of really got for the first time what they meant. Hmm. Some of the camera work really isn't that great. Um, there's not a kind of hard cam that's used prominently throughout the shows. Mm. And I think that is really to the detriment of the overall production value of these shows. I'm not sure what camera settings they're using at points as well, but there are points where the the camera uh, operators are just sort of really kind of harshly zooming in at times, and it's quite distracting. Mm. Um, And at times there are these kind of whip pans over to the next point of action. Mm. And I almost wonder... I don't mean to criticise the camera operators because they're obviously trying their hardest to capture the action. And I understand that capturing wrestling is a tough job, but at the same time, I wonder sort of level of experience, whether this is something that needs to be addressed. Because I do think it is stopping um, or it's barring certain fans who sort of really think about production values from getting into progress. Now, I've really been thinking about this when watching other promotions as well, and. I honestly believe that the progress camera work and editing is some of the worst camera work and editing of any indie promotion out there at the moment. Um, 
So, sorry, no, Chris, no, suppose, no one, uh, no one will complain about that, that whatsoever. Is a point that I do think does need to be addressed for these for these shows to improve in some mm. way. Yeah, I think I think the thing with progress is they kind of rely on it. It's all done in house, isn't it? Uh, I think mm. it's John Briley, one of the owners, who does it, and it that's the big thing with progress. You you constantly see on on Twitter, on Facebook, people saying when's the show out, when's the show out, and it takes them usually a week to to go out. And I think they're very uh, steadfast in the methods of of how they edit the shows down. I mean, a good you know comparison is we're going to talk about them later. Attack, who yeah. uh, you know their last couple of shows they managed to get out within about twenty four hours with a, a, essentially a live edit job that might even mm. be a little bit stronger than, than the progress thing. But I think it's one and of those things... Their, sorry, I was just saying, to give them their credit, the, the I mean, missed spots notwithstanding, especially in the attack show, in the attack show, in night one, um, missed, missed spots notwithstanding, actually the level of camera work and the way that they put that together is, it, it's it's really incredible. Credit to Red Pro as well. They yeah. get in those cockpit shows and the last ports were shot on a couple of days, which yeah. is a great turnaround, really great turnaround. And the camera work generally, but I watched back some of the cockpit show is pretty solid. I've got to say there isn't the same kind of jerky zoom sort of into the action at points. And yeah. I get the progress is kind of this punk product. So maybe that's part of the punk aesthetic they're trying to mm. sort of put across or they could argue. But if it is putting fans off, sort of investing or watching more of the promotion, I do think that's definitely something that needs to be addressed. Sure. Sure. Well, I mean, you mentioned it there, RevPro. I mean, they, again, similar to Attack, they got their show, RevPro Cockpit 14, um, out very quickly <laughs> on demand. And you were there live, Joe. Um, any any live thoughts? Indeed. Any live thoughts yeah. from that both of you? Um, I thought this was a great show. These cockpit shows, uh, I've been to every cockpit show this year so far. I've got tickets for the April show, which clashes with the tapings in Norwich for the UK tournament um, but I thought this was a great show I had a great time at the show that's really easy to get to it's a really nice venue um, one thing that really stood out about it was just the sheer consistency of each match as well like work rate is something that Rev Pro do especially well at the moment I think there wasn't one bad match on this card everything made sense mm-hmm. everything felt like it had a purpose um, really solid match that I really enjoyed was uh, David Starr uh, defeating Bubblegum. Mm. I thought David Starr was looking really good here. Bubblegum as well, I think. Red Pro haven't used Bubblegum that much, but I wouldn't mind seeing him in more. He was here as a face. Yeah, uh, which we, if you remember last month's show, we'd seen him on the um, 4FW card. That's right, yeah. And, and he worked as a hit. And you were surprised by the fact that he was like, oh, he hasn't worked as a face. His, what's his face? Well, his face character here, we kind of saw and thought, oh, no, yeah, he's he can nail the face character. He is sort of invaluable at almost this point yeah, in time definitely. amongst the, the independent British wrestling scene. Definitely. And Star as well, I thought, got over here as yeah. well. Sort of endeared himself to the fans. And obviously he's going to be challenging Josh Bodum for the uh, interim mm-hmm. uh, cruiserweight or light heavyweight title at the Orlando show, which given him a good win to sort of establish Star here as well. But Bubblegum I'd like to see come back as well. Um, yeah. I think that he's a really underrated guy on the Brit scene at the moment. I know he's been around for quite a while, and I, and I often wonder if that's why he's not given the praise that he kind of or the attention that maybe he he deserves. Really, um, that one of the things that really stood out as well was the Mustache Mountain against the Revolutionist match. Oh my god! <laughs> it was as you can hear from JP's. Oh, oh my god! There, that is as a result, I'm sure, of uh, Shaft Samuels doing a moonsault from the top rope to the floor where there's no space <laughs> which and this, was quite the sight 
which yeah. if for anyone who's never been to the cockpit, there is no, it's mini Budokan. It's yeah, the, yeah. It's, it really is. <laughs> On a tiny scale. It really it is, yeah. <laughs> Lego Budokan. Well, I can um, see that. I was watching the on-demand and when, when he hit it, I mean, I was keeping an eye out for you guys in the crowd as well. And it's just, it is a very close in with the crowd. And whenever anyone goes to the outside, you kind of squeal, don't you? That it's just, there's not even like, it's not like a normal indie show where you can pick your, your chair up and move out the way. There's just, there's that very narrow avenue and yeah. fair play to him. He, he hit a very beautiful looking moonsault, but it's, really uh, it's a dangerous spot to do it, isn't it? We were having a chat with Trent Seven afterwards, and he just brought up Shah Samuel doing a moonsault to the outside. And JP sort of mentioned, "Did you know that was going to happen?" He was like, "I had no idea." <laughs> <laughs> so it took everyone in the match completely by surprise. I think the Trevor Charlton give us a flip, Shah, and he was like, "You want a flip? I'll give you a bloody flip." And just, yeah, gave us something to remember. Oh, he was on point that night. He really was. He was kind of because also after the match as well with um, with James Castle setting up. The um, setting up the feud between them two, it was really well done. I mean, to the point where I mean, and I would say this: we've spoken about how progress sells out very quickly. The cockpit holds about 150, and it's a theatre setting, so it's an entirely different kind of like you don't have to go through the rigorous search process that you would do for Rev Pro at the your call. Um, they kind of treat you like a theatre audience, so it's very genteel. And there's a lot of great interaction. We've got a couple of little scoops. Well, one of them's now not a scoop. In terms of Jeff Cobb in the Super Strong Style 16. We also found out from Matt Riddle and David Starr that Matt Riddle was originally offered Ken Shamrock rather than Dan... Or Ken Shamrock was offered the match rather than Dan Seven. And apparently Ken Shamrock was too scared to take a match of him over WrestleMania weekend. Which I thought was... the uh, Joey Janela Spring Break show, isn't it, over Mania weekend? Which looks like the show of WrestleMania weekend. I think he's got Glacier on that show as well. Oh, Oh, my. In that yeah. like crazy ten man tag with like Dink and <laughs> the, the Invisible yeah. Man, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. it. But Ken Shamrock, Matt Riddle, I, I, as much as I'm looking forward to seven, I'd love yeah. to see Shamrock. And there was also something that Riddle had hinted at, and he didn't expressly state it, which was the possibility of working in Japan. Mm. And I'll throw that out there and leave it out there. Wouldn't we all love to see that? But yes, it, it was almost as if he'd had a really successful tryout match against an established Japanese star that maybe has worked <laughs> him, worked him into it. Um, I can't think of where that could have happened. <laughs> I mean, speaking um, of Riddle, what did you make of his match here with, with Tim Thatcher? How was that uh, live in the building? It certainly, uh, I enjoyed it on tape. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Like Joe, not the biggest Timothy Thatcher fan necessarily in the world. Although, as part of Ring Camp, he, he, I don't know what it is. but JP likes his merch. I do like his merch. <laughs> it is cool, isn't it? Yeah, I want it. But he never goes out to sell it when he's there. It's like, <laughs> all right, I'll have a Jeff Cobb t-shirt then. But still, I wouldn't mind that. the jacket as well. The jacket's incredibly smart. But yeah, but really, really enjoyed it and as well. I've um, seen some of the stuff in terms of their... Um, relationship through evolve through yeah. um through through catch point and and whatnot again you know riddle is cr- a crazy phenom at this point um it was a treat seeing him in a venue of this size yeah it really was and also him he is a person we've spoken about it before but it's the time that he gives us guys as fans we were chatting with him for what 15 minutes 20 yeah, minutes that. just about all manner of different yeah. subjects yeah. and he was just completely cool with it. He didn't sort of indicate that he wanted us to leave him alone or buy anything from him. It was just like, nah, I'm just sort of enjoying just having a conversation with some random fans, which 
I don't know, you kind of appreciate that as a fan because you don't feel like you are there. I've had some bad experiences with wrestlers before where I've, you know, sort of had a little word and then there's this implication that you're going to buy something from me now. It's like, oh, <laughs> I wasn't planning on that. And there's just not that there with him at all. Yeah. It's like he wants you to just have a chat with him and just talk to him on like a regular level kind of thing. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I've, when I, whenever he's there and I'm there, I tend to stalk the man down. But, um, like, and, and this is even chatting about things like our kids, which is, a, you know, and how he found China. And he's willing to kind of have a nice chin wag about that. I think it really plays into his matches because we talked yes. about it on the last show. He, he's got that connection to the fans that it kind of works. And a match like this, Riddle and Thatcher, I mean, Tim Thatcher's got his critics with his style. And you could, I could easily understand maybe people going to, to sleep a little bit on a, on a match like this. But I think they really made it work. I mean, Thatcher using the, the hair at the start of the match and, and you're cheating a little bit and grabbing the hair Riddle, setting him off and taking him off his pla- off, you know, catching him off his game there because of it because Riddle was uh, was getting a little bit angry gut wrenching him and taking over the match and it, mm. it had a real story to it this match I yeah, thought so Thatcher was really good in control and like I say Riddle when he makes such a connection to the crowd he's just a, a great underneath baby face isn't he? Well, uh, he, Oh he is and, and live one of the great things is being so close and there not being r- much room on the outside so you don't have to turn the bells and whistles a lot of it is going to be map based and that's really the strength of these two guys in terms of telling a story within the ring and not having to do lots of lots of stuff outside. And because you're so you're almost on top of them, you find yourself getting into it becomes like a Japanese crowd. You become actually quite quiet. Mm. I don't know if you find that watching it on the um, on the VOD, but you, be, you become quite quiet. And because you're just immersed watching watching this match. So you start to almost it starts to become like a, a Japan crowd at, at Sumo Hall. A couple other matches I wanted yep. to mention. Um, Ryan Smile being Pete Dunne. Perfectly solid match. Really enjoyed it. Um, yep. Pete Dunne, I think, has been one of the most consistent guys over in this year. And obviously, his star has just gone through the roof with the tour. I keep mentioning this UK tournament. It sounds like I'm promoting it for the WWE almost. Watch out <laughs> the network. 999. There you go. Um, but one thing I'm finding, I don't know, Ryan Smile, I think he's, he's a talent. There's something there. I really think there's something missing. Um, and I don't think he's kind of found it yet. I just find that I don't engage or get into his matches on the level on the level of his push in Rev Pro right now. Mm. Um, I know that, that Andy Corden seems, re- and we talked about it before, seems really determined to sort of make him mm. and put him in the position. I think Osprey has been in for mm. a, year, a couple of years now in Rev Pro, but I just don't feel that it's connected in quite the same way, and I don't feel the same anticipation that is kind of desired of the crowd or the same interest in him. Um, I don't know what it is that's missing, but there just seems it just seems like he just isn't connected in the way that's sort of intended. I think it depends on the match with him. I mean, it's funny mm. because I, I'm what I was watching this on VOD this match, and I it was I was coming straight off watching the uh, the last uh, lot of OTT shows where there was <laughs> a, another Ryan, uh, another done, uh, sorry, another Pete Dunne. I said Ryan Dunne, then another Pete Dunne and Ryan Smile match where the stakes were a lot higher. It was for the OTT title and the drama was there. And I felt like Smile okay. really did connect to the crowd. Whereas here, with it being earlier on in the show, it, for me, it was kind of stark indifference. It just didn't... I think you're probably right. It didn't quite catch... Obviously, it wasn't as important as that OTT match. So it, it just didn't mm-hmm. capture the crowd in that same way. You know, maybe Smile's someone who needs maybe that element. He's of, got a bit of tenure in OTT things. as well, though, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he has in OTT. Yeah, that's right. He's... He, 
pretty much. I think he's been working there since the first show. Uh, Ryan Smiles, someone might uh, correct me if I'm wrong there. But yeah, I think that's the other thing as well, whereas here he's still quite fresh to Rev Pro, and you're right, Quilden seems to be really behind him. I think he'll stick eventually. He seems to be, he's kind of on that next level, isn't he? He's not maybe a, a top-level guy uh, in the UK, but as maybe the likes of his opponent here, Pete Dunne, move away, uh, maybe end up in the, in WWE UK. There you go, there's another plug again. <laughs> Ryan Smiles, the type of person we're going to be relying on to step up. So, you know, I think with experience, you probably will find him. You know, uh, developing and maybe uh, answering some of those uh, those questions that we've got about him. Mm. How did you think the tag match came across on the VOD? Mm. You talked the main event. I was about to ask about that one. It was CC. This is the main event, isn't it? CCK yeah. and Joe's favourite team of uh, oh, <laughs> Red yeah. and I mean, the two Joe's two favourite wrestlers did come out to absolutely no reaction. At least it felt like that. They're almost. I mean, I kind of like that they play the, the sarcastic baby face because they know that nobody. It's it started with the show him. though. That's the yeah. first time they properly like Charlie Sterling is adapted in some of the matches yes. and yeah. started having it up and started kind of working the crowd, which I've been quite impressed with. Hmm. But here you could tell the directive was right: sarcastic baby faces rile up the crowd as much as possible, have a go at the crowd for kind of not cheering you. Um, I don't know how it came across the VOD, but they were sort of directly coming over to the crowd and almost questioning why we weren't cheering for them. He did. He came across to us and he was like, come on. No. (laughs) No way am I cheering you. And what I really liked about the VOD was Quilden was on commentary outright saying the fans aren't reacting the way that the, that Redman and Sterling are expecting and mm. oh this seems quite a surprise to them so it, it became obvious from watching it on the VOD that they were definitely playing up to what everybody's thinking that these two guys would be much better off as uh, the heels in a program like this wouldn't they? Most definitely. Like when you've got the um, like Johnny A Super Team circa 2005 <laughs> and you look at these guys yeah. like wrestling's moved on like I don't know many people who were fans of the British Indies who were into that Sterling's better than Redman anyway Sterling is good Redman showed the most character I think I've ever seen him show ever like during a match like he actually seemed like he was it seemed like the most motivated I've ever seen him I've seen him like like many times now and he actually seemed like he was really into this he was really enjoying it Possibly because he wasn't working, I don't know, to crickets, as yeah. he usually does. There's still an emptiness <laughs> behind the eyes, mate. <laughs> but there was actually an intrigue and an interest. And there was, a, like, the people in the building wanted a title change, really wanted a title change. And I wonder, I really think this has worked to Chris Brooks and Travis Banks' advantage. Mm. I'm talking about Ryan Smile and how he's not getting over in the way that's possibly quite intended. But Chris Brooks and Travis Banks are over like big time straight away mm. people are into them there's a lot of cck t-shirts that's sort of the show as well yeah. um and these guys are connected with the crowd and i don't know whether it's because they're just beating down the generic blander lots um or because people are genuinely into them but i think it's definitely worked their advantage being put against these guys so great move by andy quilden to use the guys that just aren't connecting to get these guys over so that they do connect. Really smart booking. Also, well, let's say as part of the booking for that match, when they had when they restarted the match, oh, and they you did the thought dusty finish originally, they did the dusty well. finish, and you were thinking, no, don't, <laughs> don't you dare have that. Or maybe they would have got. I just thought, oh, this is going to be a screwed up finish and Redmond Sterling win. Um, but I mean, the place popped big time. There was lots of chance from the crowd of of they didn't cheat. 
to um, well, it's to like what Dave Meltzer has been talking about. I've heard him on his recent radio saying that saying that you don't really get heat anymore if if heels cheat to win like this, where you know they pull the ref out yeah, and yeah, use the belt yeah. to win. It gets a pop because people are cheering that they got to sort see a surprising moment more than anything. But here, I think it was probably more the characters involved, and yeah. I think long term CCK are, are definitely stronger as heels, or at least uh, Brooks is anyway. Um, but yeah, I think it, here it was just always going to get that reaction, and I did think that when the it looked like the match was going to be, you know, they're going to do the dusty finish, and it wasn't going to be restarted. I was just thinking of Joe uh, crying in the crowd, thinking, <laughs> "Oh God, not more wrestling <laughs> sterling." But it was, no. the, it was the most I've, I think, like shouted stuff during a match <laughs> in quite a few years. If yeah. I'm honest, yeah, I was really quite into this one. Oh, absolutely, absolutely buzzing after. And, and just say about the show as well, no Osprey, no Marty, no Zack. No Zach, yeah. And it was brilliant. So for for those who were worried about where, what the future lies, there is there is still a lot going on, a lot yet to be really discovered. Um, and RevPro seems to be getting the most out of it. They're booking these shows well as well. There's always storyline advancement. There's always something going into the next show. The Shah Sam, even the Shah Samuels James, James Castle stuff was mm. really well done on this show. Uh, advances onto the next show. You know that Redman and Sterling are probably going to get a rematch stemming from this one as well. You had the Bodum stuff with David Starr leading to Orlando. And Zach Gibson getting another win over Eddie Dennis, you know, but that's being advanced onto, uh, well, you know, Zip Gibson's being built, uh, working towards Goto, and he's sort of gradually being built, I think, uh, in Red Pro as a threat and as sort of one of the main guys. So, yeah, again, really impressive Red Pro recently. Yeah. Really impressive. Awesome. Yeah, so, yeah, Red Pro, I think uh, they're having a strong 2017 and long may it continue. Speaking of companies that are having a well, maybe strong 2017, interesting 2017, in my I've been watching segment, I want to talk about What Culture Pro Wrestling and their Exit Wound show, but I can't miss the opportunity to ask you two guys, especially you, JP, who took his family. Um, yeah. You went to the True Destiny pay-per-view since we last recorded. Uh, yes. Which is a famous show, maybe for good and bad reasons in Milton Keynes, so I'd like to ask a couple of questions. Firstly, how, yeah. what's your opinion of WCPW, having seen them live? And secondly, what's your opinion of Milton Keynes? Uh, how was it oh, as a place God. for a wrestling show? It's a drag of a place, Milton Keynes. <laughs> it really is. It's it's bleak. If you love roundabouts and shopping, you're there. If you love industrial units and industrial-sized shops, you have a great time there. It's, and it was Why also was the, the show fact, there? Sorry. Why was it's, it in Milton Keynes? It's Keens? in a big ice, like ice, like it's an ice rink where yeah. uh, the Milton Keynes ice hockey side play. Hmm. Uh, I think they've got an agreement with the Planet Ice chain yeah, because yeah. they're they're also country Sky Skydome is Planet Ice. Oh, is it? And they're yeah. Um, in the times I've I've been there, um, pointing out to to my girlfriend, there's a there's a big Mexican wrestling card there, but we won't be there because we'll be at a wedding that weekend, um, <laughs> which I'm quite gutted about, but. Um, yes, it, it's Milton Keynes, not a fan of. It was horrific weather outside, and the show was an hour late for getting started. Yeah. Meant to be meant to be by half five, didn't start till half past six. Um, went in. There's a question, and you asked it, and it's one that I still can't really answer. You asked me, what is WC? What is what culture pro wrestling? What is it? 
And I can only think TNA for the clickbait generation. That's the only <laughs> phrase that comes to mind. I think yeah. the, the, the gap in the market that TNA has left behind since they mm. didn't tour over here this year uh, has been truly sort of been taken by what culture. There were a lot of what I'd call TNA fans here. There were a lot of mm. like Kurt Angle TNA era t-shirts, mm. for example. Um, so something like AJ Styles TNA era t-shirts about the place as well. Yeah. And I, I, when I'm watching this, this company, I, I just feel like I'm watching TNA. Like I just, I just don't get. I've, mm. I've never connected with TNA. I've followed TNA on and off for years, but I've never been like, I've never been a fan of the brand. And I just can't see how anyone would connect with what culture as a brand. It, it just seems to be a bit all over the place. There's no real identity with the promotion either. It's, it's lacking in so many areas. I find the work rate in some of the matches genuinely quite good. This show was true. Destiny was yeah. lacking something, but. Yeah, what culture is a company? I just don't think... I, I, I'm not sure how anyone can invest in it. It's a weird one, because I was watching the On Demand, and mm. you know, on the on YouTube, on the pre-show, there was a good 3,000 people watching the pre-show. Joe, in the building with you guys, there's a good 3,000 people. I mean, I've described their audience before as essentially being, it's the outer bubble. It's the people who don't watch <laughs> WWE anymore, um, or just complain about WWE, uh, but still want something with... I suppose production value behind it, but even then, yeah. some of the production was a bit dodgy in this show. It's a it's a weird promotion, even in how it production of the itself. ring was a bit dodgy. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we'll get into that. I mean, but I mean, yeah, even just the existence of the company, it started. It seemed as a vanity promotion to get over these YouTube personalities that yeah. they had. Yeah. I mean, I mentioned before. I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit of a fan of the the King Ross character, but the rest of them, uh, I, I could definitely uh, do without on shows. And they do seem to have reduced that on the shows, and you yeah. do seem to get. You know, really first class wrestlers on these matches and matches that, if it was in any other promotion, I think we'd all drive. And I consider driving down for this show or getting the train down for this show. I mean, based based around, and you just alluded to it, then JP, mm. uh, one of the many big matches that they're putting together. I mean, they had Ricochet and Will Ospreay on this card, and you you got to see that live, and I'm sure it lived up to your expectations. Nothing went wrong there, did it? No, nothing nothing went wrong whatsoever. It was, in fact, actually, after this, because I, I was there I was there with, with uh, Joe, um, and um, Sam was with us, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jo, jo, Joe's brother, and, um, and my kids were there. And this was still their favourite match of the night, and the top rope broke. Which kind a of minute, what less than a minute into the match? It was. It was it, at the point when they're doing what is effectively the <coughs> dueling flips part of of the proceedings, and, and the ring broke. And, and you know, watching back on it, you could see how Osprey could really get seriously injured while that happened at the same time. They covered for it brilliantly, and to say to them, and and, and speaking to Ricochet afterwards, he was in, he was very apologetic for the match, which was not his fault, um, but it was. After that, it felt like there was a real lull, and it lasted for quite some time mm. after that. So, in terms of the match order, felt kind of out of out of sync. There was a um, there was no Pentagon Junior Penta Penta L O N whatever his name is now. Christ <laughs> knows. Um, so they replaced him with what looked to be some fella from a Milton Keynes pub under a, in a lucha mask, <laughs> but turned out to be Alberto Del Rio's brother. Yeah. Who, um, Jesus wept. That was a hard watch. And there was a string of kind of nothing matches going through. 
And even Zach and, and Travis Branks, which kind of livened up in the last few minutes, didn't really hit. Yeah, it was hard to get into the, the building, I found. It wasn't but then maybe... why, would you, why would you open with Osprey? Yeah, I did think they were sort of blowing their load way too early oh. in this match at first. The that's the thing, and that's the match where the ring break. I mean, it was a twenty foot ring that I believe they'd not used before, and apparently there was something to do. Something was wrong because the row ring is bigger. There's a technical reason that the ropes put more pressure on, and that's the reason the rope went. But like you said, don't put. The, why is that match first? It just makes it so yeah. much more annoying that it didn't happen in the rampage and primate match, or it didn't oh, happen somewhere. You know, they didn't God. need the top rope. That was um, but I would say that, you know, it's positives from the show. I'd say Osprey and Ricochet definitely, like you said, uh, JP, it was your kid's favourite match because they still pulled something out. Uh, you know, they did clever spots in there with uh, jumping off, uh, Ricochet jumping off the top rope as it was laid on the uh, on the floor. Uh, and there were the a chat different... for the main event as well. The main event was really good. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I, it actually exceeded my expectations. I had relatively low expectations yeah, for it. Yeah, I was the same. But still, well, that wasn't as good as Osprey Ricochet with a broken <laughs> rope. Well, I mean, you can get you get to say you got to see Kurt Angle live yes. before he uh, returned to WWE in the UK, and I'd agree. Watching it on the VOD, I thought that match came across you know stronger than I was. I was definitely expecting for Angle and uh, and El Patron. Talking about crowd chance as well, uh, in terms of the Victoria Beckham chance that Paige was getting to say to those fans, they need to stop that shit. Really, well, it's the 21st century. It was a page in the front row. I was a bit like, oh, this is interesting. I don't know whether she's trying to work her exit from the WWE following this mm. film directed by Stephen Urchin. I can't wait to see. Um, <laughs> but yeah, her in the front row really drew attention to her as well. So people's attention was really on that. And there were some moronic chants aimed at her, where I'm pretty sure if the UK hooligans and Ricky Knight were in the crowd, they were battered. Yeah. The entire area that we were sat in, that were chanting uh, these pretty horrible things. To be honest, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, it was just a, it was a weird show. Watching it at home, I just thought there were some weird gaffes in the production. Lots of silent moments. Jim Ross didn't quite seem to know uh, who all the guys were. I think he referred to Zack Sabre Jr. as a high flyer. Yeah. Referred to Travis Banks as a, as a British guy. Um, so I can't really say it came across much stronger on iPay-per-view than it did uh, for you guys in person. It, but one, one thing, that, sorry, I was going to say as well, one of the things, and this is probably one of my bigger issues um, about them as a company, is when you get through to the ladder match and you can see that someone like El Ligero, who, you know, generally thought was the hardest working man in British wrestling. There's a good argument for it. And he's just a guy in a multi-man, multi-tag uh, team match. And you're thinking, right, you couldn't do anything better. You couldn't put him in against Drago, for example. That would have been something. And, and obviously it was it was good because of Osprey coming out again, because, hey, he'd only just fought Shibata the night before and needed yeah. to wrestle both Ricochet in, in that. Which is, to yeah. a degree, you think... You're not asking much of him there, are you? I just think there were some <laughs> fundamental problems with that ladder match. An invitational for, for a start, just an odd sort of format mm. for this. Um, and I thought really the only guys they highlighted, other than Osprey, were uh, was uh, Johnny Moss, um, yeah. the sort of biggish guy in the Moss Slater tag team in this match. And the other guys just felt that they were bodies in a multi-man match. And one thing I don't like is when you have this level of risk in this style of match and you don't find ways to highlight certain guys to get them over long term yeah. um, I, I think that's I don't know, it's, it just annoys me if you're not going to highlight what certain people have done in these matches and put them over afterwards 
um, in a way that sort of strengthens their characters and who they are um, or where they are on the card following this. I just think it's a bit pointless, personally. Yeah, it's, and I have to say one of the things, I mean, because it's been a little bit of time now since the show was on, it's not one that sticks with the memory. Drew Galloway, Joe Hendry doesn't stick inside your head. I, I mean, can't remember anything from the match, really. The, the, the post-match um, attack on Angle is, is good, but I tell you what, like, it, there's stuff about, given the level of talent, given the level of money, given the venue they've got, given the outlet that they have and the amount they're willing to put into it, um, <laughs> I think you wonderfully put it. They're, they're hiring for a new lad and the new lad's already making some interesting decisions on, on <laughs> oh, exit yeah, yeah. wounds. <laughs> well, I mean, that taking it into that exit wounds, I mean, that was yeah. that's in my section for me for what I've been watching. I again, I, I watched the the True Destiny IP review. I wasn't hugely into it, but I did think that Exit Wounds, which was is their more recent show, uh, was a bit stronger. Um, I think that they've they still they do seem to have some for a company that's got a lot of money behind it. They do seem to have a lot of production gaps. The muted promos that I mentioned before on the True Destiny show continue to happen on that show as well. And it's you know I, I try my best to be nice about what culture because I know they've got a, a. It seems they seem to have quite a big fan base of people out there who are willing to pay fifty pounds for ringside. Although on the uh, Exit Wound show there was a guy in the front row with a pussy money and weed T-shirt on that just oh, made yeah. me think. Oh my god. Easy W. Circuit Indeed, yeah. What? But I do try my best to be positive about what culture. And I think on the Exit Wound show, I think there were a few strong matches. I mean, Cody Rhodes had a. I mean, what culture seems to be an ideal home for him, Cody Rhodes? Mm. He has his matches, he has his three star specials, and he's got he's got a name value to him, hasn't he, that a certain type of fan are going to go out and buy a ticket for. And what culture do seem to keep uh, selling tickets based on the likes of Cody Rhodes? So I do think that the company is a great fit for him. The Adam Wirk, I don't know if you've seen much of Liam Slater, um, who was buried away in that ladder match on the, the show that you were there live in. I thought he looked really strong in the match with Cody Rhodes. He's got a bit of a, a trebly awkwardness about him, Liam Slater, but I really I, I quite like him as a talent. I thought that was a good match. They continued down the road of, you know, you mentioned before, JP, that this Joe Hendry uh, heel run he turned on uh, Kurt Angle at the end of yeah. um, of the end of True Destiny, which was, you know, it was a good move. It was a good way of putting some heat on one of your own guys. But I still don't know about him as a heel just because he comes out with all, you know, the cool local hero song. Yeah. You want to cheer Joe Hendry, don't you? You don't really want to boo him. Oh, um, he's got a fantastic entrance. It's... It's kind of like booing AJ Styles, obviously, yeah. not not quite the same, but with a move set like he has, it's very hard to hate someone who is Absolutely, yeah. inherently that, that talented. And it seems like a way, you know, booing him when he could really be the face of the company. Indeed, yeah. And I, I mean, in the TV following uh, the True Destiny show, they did they teamed up with another man who you could say that about Travis Banks, who everyone wants to cheer. He's in this this heel stable, the Prestige that they've. Uh, I think the the wrestling stable name generator spat out. Yeah, they're the they're the new heel group with uh, with Joe Coffey and BT going as well. So they they seem to build to some kind of storyline with uh, with Matt Striker there, who was oh, teasing gosh. some kind of physical conflict. I mean, that's the last thing we want. Isn't it to see uh, oh, to Matt Mass Striker? He's bad enough on commentary. Why are they flying at him? What credibility? I get what credibility JR gives a promotion. <laughs> Think about how he sold Wrestle Kingdom a couple of years yeah, ago as a pay per view. What the hell credibility does Matt Striker give this promotion? Like, oh, no. why, why are they wasting the money? 
sit like that to me that's one reason I'll never be able to get into this sort of emotion is yeah. the presence of someone like a Matt Stryker that just reeks of oh ex WWE guy let's get him on why the yeah. hell not why wouldn't you get him on uh, when someone who isn't going to make it work and make a difference or someone who's going to be a lot cheaper based in the UK is missing out on an opportunity there that that riles me a little bit because surely it'd be worth your while to have someone alongside JR as your kind of British well, even your British Alex colour Shane. even Alex Shane which you know I'm I'm not as keen on necessarily uh-huh. as what what could be there given that there are so many other options yeah he, he I definitely am not particularly excited uh, about the prospect of maybe Matt Stryker stepping into the ring but who knows maybe it was just a way to uh, just a nice little thing to do on the night um, elsewhere on, on the show I mean Silas Young had an ROH showcase match with Delirious I commented at the time that it's pretty, I mean, that's your, that's ROH in 2017, isn't yeah. it? It was, it was really boring and just delirious was all over it. It's your, it's your perfect art showcase of what ROH is. I think some other Joe CM Punk at that show in the UK, what? Oh, good God, yeah. Oh. What was that? And then, yeah. I'm, I mean, I quite like Silas Young as well as a gimmick, but yeah, he's not really the person you want in this spot with showing off the, uh, possibilities of the ROH roster but I mean another showcase match that, that was really good on this show Marty Skrull and David Starr was pushed as weirdly Ooh. as like a, a Rev Pro offer into the show which yeah. I thought was politically uh, very interesting but it just had a really good flow to it that match it was just um, good back and forth match I mean you guys mentioned being impressed with David Starr mm. um, on the Rev Pro show I mean that being honest that Rev Pro show um, and this performance here was one of the first times the first times I really had my eyes open to, to David Starr I think he's a, a really underrated worker and to be honest I mean th- th- Joe did you catch this match the scale I and did Starr yeah match? yeah I thought it was the best thing on the show by a mile at this point yeah it was really really good I think Starr is sort of quietly building a reputation for himself and doing himself a lot of favours. And he's working with some good guys as well. Marty, is, uh, I don't know if people have a lot of issues with Marty. For me, he's, he's one of the best guys in the ring in the UK. Without mm. that, one of the best guys in the world at the moment, if you ask me. And I thought they really gelled. This was just a really nice match. It was really easy to watch. There was a real flow to it. Um, yeah, I thought both guys got the absolute best out of each other. And I think this is going to really support David Starr as a guy going forward. He's somebody whose matches I'm genuinely going to be excited to see going forward from here. And he's also interesting in a sense, he's one of those few guys as a, as a fly-in who isn't really booked with any one particular company. He's not, he's not really necessarily an, an ROA. He's not an, a Ring of Honor guy. He'd be more of a WXW guy, if anything. Yeah, he's really over in WXW. Mm. I haven't got, had a chance to watch a lot of WXW. Um, but when I read about the promotion, mm. uh, he seems like he's got a real sort of rep in WXW, more so than any other promotion, really. Yeah, I think I'd definitely like to see more of him over here. I mean, I noticed that on the Rev Pro show, it was almost like it was a setup so that they could use him in Orlando. I know he's been announced yep. for, for their shows over there as well. So hopefully, yeah, he'll go forward maybe more as a... This wasn't, a, again, it was advertised more as a Rev Pro sh- showcase than a mm-hmm. culture match. So I think that's probably where we'd expect to see more of him. But yeah, he certainly impressed me in the match. 
match impressed me. And at this point, yeah, it was by far the strongest thing on the show. I mean, this was a free show on YouTube that anyone can check out. And the main reason I would tell people to check it out is not only that match, but the next one, Drew Galloway and Will Ospreay. I mean, for all the negative we can say about what culture, I've really enjoyed Will Ospreay's heel run there. Yeah, yeah. It's been a good test run for what we could imagine to see of him. Uh, more of him in progress as he works as a heel. He he came out here very uh, Loki-esque in his <laughs> Hitman yes. get-up. But he had, it was only the top, wasn't it? He was wearing the tie and the shirt and the jacket, but he didn't have any pants on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that wasn't quite a Perhaps he's a big fan of that. Chief Deputy Dunn. Uh, he yeah, might, he yeah, might yeah, be playing probably. a modded a modded version of Hitman, where he, uh, <laughs> he does his stealth assassins. Oh, he's just asking for Loki to come out and beat the shit out of him. That's a match I'd pay to see. <laughs> face Loki against a heel Osprey. Um, but I mean, speaking of which, it was really odd seeing Osprey wrestle as a heel, especially as the the much smaller man uh, to Drew Galloway. But I think even with the the size difference, I think Osprey you know, he spent most of the match trying to avoid uh, Drew Galloway and stay away from him. Um, it was an adjustment for me even watching it. I'm kind of sitting there as Osprey's getting his ass kicked, willing him to do his face comeback spots just because out of habit because I'm so used to doing that but I, I just thought yeah it was a really hot match I think they re- worked it really well they made the size difference make sense uh, which was a big thing for me it wasn't they didn't just wrestle it like uh, like two guys of the same size they emphasised that Osprey was trying to keep away from Galloway and trying to you know hit him uh, on the counter when he could I love the finishing spre- stretch I love oh, that Galloway right. had to hit his big spin in DDT to win I mean Joe what did you make of this one? I completely agree with you. I loved the ending. I thought Galloway, the way that he his execution on the uh, sort of finisher, really put over uh, the sort of like the test he'd been through to put Osprey away and how tough it was for him to put Osprey away. I really like the stuff in the crowd at the beginning as well. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a lot of fun. Um, one thing I'll say as well is I like the fact that they had a really strong main event on this show as well, and it was a really strong main event. With one ex WWE guy and mm. one guy who previous hasn't, previously hasn't been featured in WWE or TNA, yeah. and Osprey looked great in the match as well. So if anyone who was say a WWE fan who was giving this a watch or a TNA fan, giving it a watch for the first time, they would have been introduced to arguably the best guy that we've got on these shores at the moment. So I thought I thought it was a show. Well, it wasn't necessarily a showcase match, mm. but I thought it it worked really well for what what they wanted to achieve. They got to that destination. They also got B Priestley involved in the ending as well, which That's was what I was that say. relationship. So mm. lots of positives to come out of this one, I think. Absolutely. Well, there you go. I mean, if we've achieved anything today, guys, we've managed to say some nice things about what culture pro wrestling. <laughs> uh, I think, yeah, there's definitely negatives to the business plan. There's definitely some things that make you scratch your head, but they do put together, you know, sometimes these great one-off matches. I know they've got shows coming up with the, the Bullet Club on, which look interesting. Um, and yeah, I mean, a, a show like this, it was free on YouTube, so uh, there's no real, you know, there's no uh, price barrier there. So I would uh, cautiously tell people to go and check it out, if if maybe only for the two main matches there and perhaps the uh, the Cody Rhodes match earlier on. Um, but yeah, well, one thing as well that uh, you haven't pointed out, Ben, is they've got an Orlando show at the WrestleMania weekend ah, as well, yeah, yeah. which has very little buzz and that very few people are talking about. But the epic and quite fantastic uh, Rampage Brown versus uh, Primate um, Tiger Mars versus Dynamite Kid-like series, one for the ages, has earned <laughs> Rampage Brown a title shot on those Orlando shows. But a mate of mine who uh, lives in Orlando and is really sort of um, 
regularly updating, let's say, on Twitter about Orlando, the, the WrestleMania weekend and goes on Orlando, told me that there's very little buzz for this What Culture show. It seems like it's generating very little interest. Um, I sort of wonder why they're bothering this year when so many other companies have a lot more kind of, uh, kind of, how can I put it, buzz with the kind of hardcore fan who attends a WrestleMania mm. um, would attend. I, if I was in Orlando, I wouldn't even consider going to watch culture on second for the abundant I mean, shows that weekend. Look, Joe, it's about the YouTube hits, and as we know, there's uh, there's millions of pounds in those <laughs> in those YouTube hits that, that what culture seems to be diving for. So yeah, it's a it's a unique business plan. You do scratch your head with them sometimes, but again, at least we've uh, we've managed to say some some nice things about yeah. the promotion there. One other quick one then I want to touch on for to wrap up our what we've been watching. Uh, I was lucky enough to go to the ICW Fight Club TV tapings uh, this past weekend. Uh, they did a show in Liverpool. Managed to get in there as a as a guest of the uh, the fine people at ICW. I don't know who they thought I was. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, there was a bit of a some, down. yeah. There was something of a problem though. I managed to I found myself on the guest list and we got there. Uh, turned out the the venue had messed up. Uh, they didn't have any record of a guest list. So you found I found myself standing outside with other VIP luminaries such as Chris Brooker um, and a couple of other people uh, trying to find our way in as uh, eventually we managed to coax a referee to come down and, and uh, get us into the building. Uh, we went through the, the, the sneaky back staircase into the venue. I felt very, very important. Oh. Um, got to walk past Joe Hendry getting ready for his match and a couple of the other guys there as well. So it was it was quite surreal uh, entering that way. But yeah, I mean, it, it was it was as far as a show, it was it was a TV taping. Um, I've kind of turned the corner at ICW lately. I think I didn't really enjoy uh, the big Hydro show last year, but I thought Square Go uh, this year was a was a marked improvement. Um, as far as things to write home uh, about with the show, there was a really good uh, Pete Dunne and, uh, and Chris Renfrew match. Mm. I mean, I don't know what you make of Chris Renfrew. He does kind of seem to get he gets written off a little bit as more of a maybe not a hardcore guy, but he's a very uh, ICW kind of guy. Uh, they had a really really strong match. I thought uh, interesting to see that Pete Dunne's uh, being introduced into uh, ICW canon, uh, especially with their uh, relationship that uh, seems to be potentially blossoming. With yeah. the WWE, uh, Zach Gibson was also on the show, which was interesting. He was, this being in Liverpool, he had a match with Joe Coffey, and you would imagine, wouldn't you, when I say that Zach Gibson, Liverpool's number one, mm. has a show in Liverpool, he's going to come out to a huge babyface reaction, right? Uh, not on this night. Wow. <laughs> he, he came out to a lot of heat. Um, I know it, 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 he's done. I've been to ICW shows in Liverpool before, where they've been trying to push him as a heel. It doesn't always stick because it's Liverpool. Um, but yeah, he came out, he did the promo, uh, effectively got booed out of the building, cut a promo about how he loves the city, but he hates the fans. Uh. <laughs> I think that's the thing with it, with a partisan crowd, like in, in the city of Liverpool, if you come out like Zach Gibson in your Liverpool shirt, there's always going to be, you know, I, as an Evertonian, I would push that it's half the crowd, but being honest, it's probably more like 40% of the crowd are going to be Everton supporters. I, I, I saw uh, Frankie Sloan do a similar thing at a TNG show a, a few weeks ago in the, in the same venue where he came out with a big Liverpool flag and got booed by the uh, Everton supporters in the in the crowd. But I think here, yeah, it was a lot of heat for, for Zach Gibson, a lot of uh, shouts of uh, 
fuck off back to Magull, which is uh, his Ooh. hometown, which is just a bit outside of the uh, the main Liverpool boundary. I mean, I can't talk. I'm a little bit outside the Liverpool That's boundary. That's proper so, regional you know. heat, isn't it? Oh, That's mate. I mean, it, Mersey side specific. It's about as provincial as it gets. <laughs> the thing in Liverpool, mate, is if you've got a purple bin, you are part of Liverpool Council. And if you oh. don't have a purple bin... Well, we'll call you a woolly back, and that's the uh, the grief that Zach Gibson was getting. He was getting a lot of grief about the uh, the colour of the bin outside his house. Which was, uh, How did he react to it? He reacted really well. I mean, you know what he's like. He's a, he's yeah. a great heel, isn't he? And he, he played up to it well. Like I said, he made the point about loving the city and hating the fans, and it was a really strong match, as you'd expect from uh, from Zach Gibson and Joe Coffey. Um, I just thought, yeah, it was really interesting that he got so much heat. Uh, he went over at the end with his uh, with a uh, creative chair shot in the in the corner, leading to a little roll up. Um, but yeah, he left as pretty much the the biggest heel in the building, which was something I wasn't expecting going into the show. Um, otherwise, on the show, yeah, there was a couple of decent tag matches. Mike Baird and Wild Boar, who we're going to talk about later, yeah. uh, were really good there, defeating Ravy Davy and Danny Hope. They seem to be getting uh, traction in ICW as their tag team champions. Danny Hope was there as a surprise. Who uh, in Liverpool we've kind of accepted as almost a, a hometown hero. The amount of promotions he works around here. But the main thing and the reason I wanted to bring it up on this show was to just to talk about the main event. I mean, I, I don't know if you guys saw that the main event for this show. This is for their TV. Was intended to be Trent Seven and Drew Galloway, and it was a match that I personally was really anticipating. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, uh, Drew, Call- Drew Galloway had a bit of a family issue. Um, so he couldn't make the show and he was replaced by Jordan Devlin, a man we talked about earlier. Yeah. And Jordan Devlin, I think it's fair to say he didn't have the strongest showing in the WWE UK tournament. Mm. Uh, he came out here and got essentially the same heat he got in progress where fans were chanting things like, you're going to get your massive head kicked in <laughs> um, and other head based jokes. But they did a spot early in the match where... Devlin was trying, did a flip dive to the outside on Trent Seven, a Topek on Hilo, um, and he'd landed right on the back of his head. And I've never seen blood cushion quite like it at a live Ooh. show, right from the wound on the top of, the, of his head. Yeah, and, I saw the image. And he's a big old yeah. bonce as well, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> That's a really good point, yeah. I mean, <laughs> but the, the, the crowd went from making fun of that big old bonce on, the, on you know, his big head to. Yeah there being genuine concern and genuine sympathy and I was there with, with a couple of my mates who aren't really wrestling fans and they weren't that into the rest of the show but this really dragged them in because it was a real drama then and the, the whole rest of the match he became Devlin became this huge baby face and everyone was just I think we were just all so impressed that he was going hole for hole with Trent Seven exchanging suplexes and near falls and continuing on to wrestle as he had this massive you know, a bleed coming from the back of his head. I mean, we touched on him a little bit at the Progress show, but, I mean, what were you guys' thoughts on Jordan Devlin as a whole? I mean, was your mind changed from seeing on the Progress show? Because I've got to be honest here, in this ICW show, he definitely uh, turned my head just a little bit. I think I didn't dislike him as much as many others did in the WWE tournament. I thought there was... I don't know, I sort of thought there's something there. He hasn't been able to fully show what is there on this show, but there is something... And I think he's kind of used that and the incident in the Martin Stone match kind of mm. to his advantage. And he's gone over in other promotions. He's got booked by the promotions and he's gotten over in other promotions kind of as a result. And on the back of that, like I said earlier, by using that key spot in his matches as well. Mm. So I think... Shifting he, stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's kind of building something for himself. And it, like you say, he's been booked in different promotions in different scenarios. And him being able to adapt in the match that you just mentioned, Benno, 
especially against a guy like Trent Seven, who is immensely popular, can't do it. Can't do him any well. Can do him some harm physically, but it can't do him any harm in terms of uh, going forward, uh, getting booked by ICW again, and getting booked by the promotions. I'd like to echo that. I mean, one of the things I'm really liking about Jordan Devlin at the minute is the fact that he's following up with the, these bookings by having really good matches. And that's the thing that ultimately is going to gain the most credibility amongst the kind of hardcore fans, which isn't only in, in turn is going to end up benefiting his career. So he seems to have come in, not, I'm not saying anyone else has rested on their laurels, but he's kind of taken it as a real opportunity to improve himself and using the kind of notoriety from the tournament, but not, not necessarily that match itself, not taking that match and just sort of replicating it around the country. Um, and so I'll be interested, really interested in seeing this in terms of like um, the way that the way that he kind of the, I'll be interested in seeing the fan reaction, judging from how you described it and how it turns. Sure, I, I'd say that I'd say anyone it will be on the I believe it's the next episode of ICW's TV, and if not, it'll be the week after. Um, check that out on their website. I, I definitely recommend it. I mean, ICW it's a fun live experience. I mentioned they went with a couple of non-fans who eventually got into it, and I think it's in some ways it is a good place to take a non-fan just because you can get drawn into that ICW atmosphere. Sometimes the sight lines aren't good because you're standing, but that's another reason to uh, to check out the on-demand. But yeah, I had a, a really good night there at ICW. My, wound up in uh, Liverpool's famed club, the Crazy House, afterwards, where a lot of the ICW wrestlers were there. It's quite the the sight to see Jack Jester moshing about on the second floor of the crazy house and Trent Seven, two sweeting fans walking past him on the stairs. Uh, it turned into a, a fun night there, the, uh, the ICW uh, show. So yeah, I'd, uh, I'd recommend anyone uh, checks out uh, ICW. I maybe wouldn't recommend anyone checks out the crazy house. It's not the uh, the nicest or the cleanest place. in the I had a great night there 10 years ago after the Ring of Honor show. <laughs> Absolutely. <yeah. laughs> it, it's one of those things, if you're drunk enough and there's enough here, it's a great place. But no, uh, Crazy House aside, yeah, ICW, it was a good night out, and yeah, I'd recommend uh, people uh, check them out if they come to your city. So, uh, moving on, that wraps up uh, what we've been watching segment. Uh, what we'll do next, we'll take a, a quick break. Uh, we'll have some messages from Stu at the Indie Corner before we come back and we'll take a look at our feature review, which is Attack Pro Wrestling and their Chris Travis Tag Team Invitational. Hi guys, just want to tell you about Your Fight site VLD. It's a wrestling on-demand uh, site. features over 250 hours of content from other promotions such as Pro Wrestling Chaos, Britannia Wrestling Promotions, 3K Wrestling, Triple X Wrestling and more. UK Wrestling On Demand will get you some promotions for a set price, but every title can be rent- rented for a price of its own as well. New content will be added weekly, so head over to vld.yourfightsite.com. That's vld.yourfightsite.com. Hi guys, just want to tell you about SquaredCircle.com, the best wrestling apparel direct from parts unknown 
including t-shirts, sportswear, bags, hats and more, endorsed by the UK's top talent including Noam Dar, Graydol, Will Ospreay and Shah Samuels, head over to squareturkle.com. They're supporting in the corner right now, so please show your support and go over there and give them a visit. to the show we're going to take a look at our main review now which is attack pro wrestling's chris travis tag team invitational tournament now before we get into the review I thought it'd be worthwhile just maybe for the uninitiated to go through a, a short bit of background on attack i mean i've got to say i mean me personally i only really got into attack in the last year or so i mean i was aware of it as a as a promotion that we're running they've been running for for quite a few years now i mean you two guys joe jp i mean what, what was really your awareness of attack uh, going into into this year um, I knew of the promotion. I'd read uh, quite a lot of stuff of the promotion previously. I knew about like the main guys. I knew about Pete Dunn, Mark Andrews, obviously involvement in the promotion. Mm. Knew what guys they booked. Knew what sort of storylines they're going. I knew about the whole um, males and females kind of uh, aspect to it as well. Yeah, yeah, and it always thought it looked kind of fun, but I just never really found the time to check any out. Um, Same, then, yeah. You always hear them tied up with uh, Shakara, don't you? That's how I yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember seeing an interview with Jim Lee where he referred to him as a 99 pence shop version of Shakara, uh, which I think is, in some ways maybe it's accurate, but I don't think that, uh, that's not very uh, kind to the to the good oh, product uh, that I talk yeah, about. Yes. Sort of uh, self-depreciation there from uh, from old Jim Lee. Uh, I mean, how about you, JP? I, I kind of, very similar to Joe, had heard of them, um, was familiar because I kind of thought of them as, as effectively like the kind of big Welsh promotion. Mm. And so you'd kind of follow what was what was going on. You'd see, you know, Eddie Dennis being a sort of key feature on the card. And obviously, again, with, with Mark Andrews and Pete Dunne. And again, always hearing them kind of linked in with Shakar and kind of being a much more family-friendly product. Um, with the exception, I think, of the main event of before the Chris Travis Tag Team Invitational of the Gorilla Preston and in Deep Conversation card, where they had a they had a death match, um, which I thought was was incredibly surprising for them to have. But it wasn't the um, most death like death match. True, I've ever seen that. I'll say that <laughs> it, it was quite tame. It wasn't tournament of death. No, it, was, no. it wasn't like you know a C- IWA Mid South. Oh, CZW style definitely was it? It was no. a little bit tamer. Yeah. Which I'm fine with. <laughs> yeah. But um so yeah, uh, so now I've I've more or less started to, to really get into them. I'm really enjoying them. So it's yeah. a little spoiler alert for later on in the card. I was saying that you can tell it's a labour of love. I know, mm. you know, the promotion mainly started with I think it was Jim Lee meeting Pete Dunn in a training school and it kinda of was born from there. I know Mark Andrews has had some involvement. I know he was heavily involved in the uh, the organisation of this tournament we're about to talk about here. But yeah, it's it's a labour of love. It's a, I mean, they, they run the the buildings they run it tend to be you know on the smaller side. Uh, mm. Cardiff, Bristol, Cheltenham, they're the the places they tend to run. They haven't really, other than the uh, 
uh, they had that uh, joint show, didn't they, with uh, with Fight Club Pro? That yeah, that's the one I was at. That was, that well. was my first introduction, really, to seeing them and uh, seeing them live as, a, as an introduction. I think was the strongest way to really be introduced to the promotion because mm. you got a feel for the product and what it was that worked about the product sort of straight away. To be honest, um, so I'm quite glad that was the fir- my first experience of seeing Attack, really. Mm. So yeah, so I mean, so that brings us into uh, today. You know, we mentioned the cities that run this uh, tournament, this Chris Travis uh, Tag Team Invitational. They ran it in Cardiff in the Cathays Community Centre, which is definitely a place I'd love to go and Cates, watch some wrestling. Cathays. Cathays. Oh, I apologise. Yeah, yeah, I've been to Cathays. <laughs> it's like the big student area in Cardiff. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I'll get in trouble for that one. Um, yeah, so it, it, the building fits about two hundred or so. Mm. It seems to be jam packed for this event. Um, and it always creates a, a really good atmosphere. It is essentially looks uh, very much like and uh, almost a functioning bingo hall, um, which all great wrestling venues, in my opinion, should look like. Yes, <laughs> it was great with that with the bingo backdrop, wasn't it? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And I think this is a great introduction for anybody to get into attack. So if anyone's listening to this who's not maybe followed the promotion, this was a show where because of the tournament format, because it was you know in tribute to. Chris Travis, uh, who we sadly lost um, to cancer last year, um, with it being a, a tournament of that type, it's the kind of show you can dive into, isn't it? And you can there is a not really uh, much required going in. Um, they did have some storyline involvement as the nights went through, but really it was just a really uh, strong couple of nights of, of professional wrestling, I would say, across the two nights. So getting into the show, then uh, we opened up with the uh, heel referee of Shikara, of, uh, I almost said Shikara then, the heel referee of Attack Shea Persa and Chris Roberts, the strangely baby-faced referee oh. of uh, of the company of Attack coming out. Presenting doesn't the seem trophies. right, does it? Seems wrong, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And I thought the uh, the other thing to note is that you know, they came out first and uh, brought out the trophies for, for the potential winner. They brought out the, the all of the competitors to the tournament. There are a few, few uh, new names, I would probably say, um, to normal uh, Attack fans. Uh, friends of Chris Travis, the likes of uh, CJ Banks and Sam Bailey, uh, the models, uh, Danny Hope and Joey Hayes, El Aguero and, and uh, Chris Travis's former tag team partner, Martin Kirby, were here as well. Uh, in addition to all the, the normal um, faces that you would expect at an attack show. Uh, as far as the show goes, then it kicked off firstly with uh, CCK, uh, Chris Brooks and Lycos against Bolarama. I thought it was a really strong match to, to start the show with. Again, we mentioned before about perhaps you don't need uh, too much background to dive into these two shows, but as far as rivalries go and attack, uh, this is a, a very heated one at the moment uh, for the promotion, isn't it, uh, CCK and, uh, and Bolarama? Um, yeah, it was... It was... It was, one of the things I loved about this match in particular was the way, and this is probably to do with the fact that it was a very small venue, but the way that you could hear Chris Brooks um, talking to um, Kid Lycos, Monday Lycos, I should say, and, and sort of giving him little bits of encouragement, just saying, oh, yeah, give them a scream, they'll love it. And and in the crowd knowing exactly how to react for them, which, as we were saying earlier on about how CCK, the reaction to them in Rev Pro, you suddenly saw this is, you know, sort of classic kind of heel face dynamic here between them. Um, and it was, I mean, it was very much kind of followed the theme of the evening of a series of, of very, of very good, solid, um, fun matches, which kind of would have enough comedy, but then not be too silly, not kind of almost 
jumped the shark in terms of having too much comedy as well. Um, yeah, really, really enjoyed it. It's like I said, it's the perfect showcase for for attack. I mean, yeah, but the story to to catch people up is uh, I know Bolarama won the the tag belts, didn't they? And yep. with the money, they were gonna revamp their famed uh, Bolarama Bowling Alley. CCC. Mm. Uh, CCK though, uh, being bitter at losing the belts, blew up the bowling alley. I mean, that's the type of thing you can uh, <laughs> expect in attack. Uh, so you get all that background into the match. But I think you're right. Yeah, as far as the match goes, I think it was a perfect opener because there was a good amount of comedy in there. I love all the the double team spots that the CCK hit. Um, yes. that their assisted uh, code breaker, essentially the the ink bomb move. Uh, all the the different <laughs> double teams that they do there as well. And I think it was again it, for me, it was a good introduction for attack. If you, if you're gonna make this your first show. You've got uh, Shea Pearson, who's the greatest heel ref in the world, yeah. uh, refusing to make counts when it goes against the uh, the CCK team. I mean, overall, I thought it was a really, I mean, enjoyable match. What did you think, Joe? I thought it was decent. Yeah, it was a really sort of good opener. Breeze by. I thought the combination of the two teams they mixed very nicely. Mm. Um, I thought, if I'm honest, Chris Brooks, the star of the match, uh, really usually hot. is, isn't he? Yeah, really hot on him at the moment. I think he's he's going to have a really promising 2017, judging by what he's done so far. And being a regular in attack, obviously he's got a rep. Uh, he's familiar to the attack crowd as well. And I really thought he was the real linchpin in this match and really made it work. One thing that I did find uh, a little bit of a minor annoyance was going into the match, I knew um, that they were obviously him, uh, CCK, were obviously losing the match since... Chris Brooks was booked on the Red Pro show that I was at the day after. <laughs> so I did that, think that while I was watching it, yeah. And I saw, when I saw Roberts there, I was thinking, ah, oh, it'd be Shay on his own for night two. Because uh, <laughs> Roberts was reffing Red Pro the night after. So that was a little bit of an annoyance. Um, but still a fun match and really easy match to watch. Um, ending as well with more bang for your buck. Did, did you notice that? Yeah, more bowl for your buck, I believe. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think the irony is, though, you mentioned there about Chris Brooks not being able to make the, the second night. I mean, poor splits McPins in this match. He, uh, he tried to do a dive, didn't he? And he managed to hit oh, the did. ropes and went <laughs> nose first. Yes. I mean, I just thought it was a comedy spot. I don't know whether I it was intended know. or not. But yeah, apparently, I mean, I've I, I heard from people who were there live that he had quite the... Pretty much a blood-soaked match uh, mask after that, uh, really? after the move, and he was unable to compete, wasn't he, the next day as well in the tournament. I mean, I just watched it and thought, ah, oh, wacky comedy, he didn't make his dive, but fair play to him. He actually got back up and uh, hit the ropes and uh, and actually completed the dive as well, but yeah, he didn't uh, didn't look too good after that. I wonder if that's because I noticed they used uh, one of the hard cap shots for that for that shot rather than a sort of a close up closer on him at the ring. So I wonder if they used that to not draw attention to. I don't know the fact that it might have looked a bit more obvious that he messed it up. Yeah, uh, if they'd used a camera closer up to to him when he hit it, because I completely thought it was just a comedy spot, and I was I was laughing. Like, Same here. I've never <laughs> yeah. seen that before. Oh, you feel guilty now, Joe? Oh, I do. <laughs> I'm, I'm, we're really sorry, Splits. <laughs> really sorry, mate. Uh-huh. So uh, yeah, that misfortune aside, an enjoyable opener. It led into our second match, which was again another fun match. Yeah, the the anti fun police who are uh, again another staple <laughs> of attack. Uh, Dunn being the current anti fun champion uh, by his own description. Yep. I, I do love this this group of you know b- being announced from uh, Scotland oh, yeah. Yard. Yeah. Uh, the op- they open the match with you know Dunn on the microphone uh, saying that uh, Los Federales Santos Senior had retired from the force. Uh, the very. Yep. Uh, 
Dan Maloney looking uh, lost feather out of Santos, Santos Senior had, had allegedly uh, moved to Florida. Um, that's quite uh, <laughs> suspicious, isn't it? Uh, it brought out his alleged son, the uh, the much bigger junior version of the uh, the Santos family. I mean, I, I really enjoy this act, and I know uh, you've said in the past, JP, uh, you're a yep. big fan of of uh, of Don himself. I think he shows a lot of poise here in Attack, doesn't he? Especially on the microphone and and as a character. Well, he really does, and I suppose you know. We've seen him. Uh, we, we talked about him in um, in progress before, where you know he kind of he kind of felt like he was getting he was he was the the odd man out of British strong style, and you know the gimmick itself is is really good fun. I I, I enjoyed um, the right to censor group, so yeah. anti fun please kind yeah. of the, the strike a chord with me. Um, you, you mentioned the models there. I mean, they're yes. a team that are probably more familiar to me, but being mainly yeah. based up in the northwest. Um, it's funny everywhere they go. I mean, this originally, I mean, you might not know it to look at him these days, but Danny Hope, uh, he's been doing the model character for about 12 years now, I think. And wow. he used to have a, really? a ponytail and, uh, you know, he'd wear the sunglasses and he was very much your, your Rick the Model Martel kind of character. Whereas now, I'm he not going to say uh, he's let himself right. go, but he's, uh, yeah, he, he's kind of, he doesn't quite, his look doesn't quite suit the, uh, maybe the model character anymore. But I think in some ways that almost makes it better. Uh, Joey Hayes is the perfect uh, tag team partner for this, and I think they're just a great fit for a for a promotion like Attack. I think I think they they fit right in, and I, I, you'd be surprised if Attack don't have them back here. I think so, and I'd like I'd like to see the models do some some work down south as well, because rather like say that the Hunter Brothers as well, it's it, seeing them in this environment, you think oh. I want to see some more of these guys. Yeah, I was a little bit disappointed the Brothers of Construction weren't booked for this show. Oh, with you. what a name. Yeah. When I went into it, I just assumed they would they would be on the show. And then when I looked down the card, I was like, oh, that's a, that's a shame. But, oh, well, I'm sure I'll see him again at some point. Yeah, I mean, as far as the match goes, there's not a huge amount to, to write home about. You had the usual model strut and the comedy spots there. <clears throat> I was trying to work out whether uh, Los Federales Santos Jr. was either intended to be feckless or he just wasn't the best in ring. <laughs> I think it was a little bit of both, wasn't it? They kind of made it part yeah. of the story that he was just a, a touch useless in the match. But I thought, yeah, it, it set up uh, the models well. I think it got them over. Uh, again, you know, naturally um, being new to attack and just having a, a gimmick that really fits the promotion. I think it was a good way of, uh, of setting them up there. And Have you got any idea who Santos Jr. Uh, was here? Who, like, who, was, who was under that mask at all? Because I was... And, I am actually not sure. I was trying to work it out myself. I bet it's, there's probably someone listening who's saying it's really odd. It's a bit like when you watch the the Shikara guys sometimes and you're like, hmm, that fire ant looks a little bit like, insert name here. Yeah. <laughs> I expect there's a, the, the, it's probably well known in some circles, but no, it wasn't, I'm not sure. It so. wasn't Tiger Mask W enough for my liking. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, next up then, uh, apart from the tournament action, we had a singles match. Uh, we had Drew, Drewy Funk, uh, Drew Parker yeah. um, against Elijah here. I mean, I don't know what you guys made of this one. Um, I like the the Drew Parker character. Um, I was listening to an interview with him the other day, and he was he's. Uh, would you believe he's only nineteen? I know, it's um, amazing. He it's looks, incredible. He looks amazing at 19. Yeah. He started training when he was 11. Oh 11. God. Oh, my God. Um, apparently started wrestling when he was 14. And, yeah, I'm a big fan of him doing this This extremely confused ECW gimmick, obviously, here, doing a bit of a tribute to Terry Funk. I saw him recently, maybe outside the comedy atmosphere, doing a, a straight singles match in PCW, which I really enjoyed as well. But mm. it was pretty much just a, a straight singles match, this really, wasn't it, with, uh, with Elijah, you know, 
very much the heel um, coming out with Danny Jones' whistle and the yep. old Papa Sunflower's head as well. I mean, what did you guys make of this one? Uh, I, I didn't dislike it. I'm just not that keen on Elijah, I don't think. I didn't love his work over the two nights. Um, and when I'd seen him previously, he wasn't really doing a lot for me. I can't really put my finger on what it is. Um but I just I found that I wasn't invested or all that interested in what I was seeing. Uh, Drew Parker, I do love this gimmick. It is unique. It is interesting. It's a good staple of the shows. I'm going off the tangent slightly here, but did you guys see the uh, little vignette that Attack posted last week with him doing like a Rise and Fall of ECW type skit? Yes. Did you, yeah. did you see that, Ben? I did. Yeah, yeah. I, that's the thing. He, he's just he's so kind of he's good at the comedy but he's just yeah. he's got a natural charisma about him hasn't he yeah and it's stuff like that that will make me interested in him because it's kind of the same it's a completely different scenario but like jimmy havoc when he was doing those videos in progress mm-hmm. to get his character more over that's no, completely different circumstance but i'm a sucker for a well put together video especially when it's a really geeky video that clearly references yeah a documentary I haven't seen in about 10 years, but a documentary I remember thinking was amazing. Mm. Um, and he, like the interview style, he got down and the nuances of it were great. And the way that they sort of edited it together for sort of comedy purposes was great as well. So I've gone off on a complete tangent, but, um, yeah, I'm interested in Drew Parker, but the match, I just, I couldn't get into. I don't know what it was about this one. I think well, it was prob, I mean, a lot of it, I think in the live uh, atmosphere as well, I think people were struggling because they essentially couldn't yes. see once they were brawling on the outside. It was all kind of geared towards this big table spot, wasn't it? Um, speaking of the ECW thing, I think it was uh, Drew Parker wanting to do a bit of a tribute to ECW with a with a balcony spot through yeah, a table. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it, it was a bit of an awkward one, wasn't it? He kind of almost threw himself through the table um, after all the uh, five, ten minutes worth of, of setup there. But and it, it was that's... an odd setup from where he came off because it was because um, obviously you had the live edit going on. Um, yeah. Up, up, on, up on top of the balcony, and it really did look like I, I did think, Christ, I could see this balcony collapsing with two fellas, <laughs> two fellas brawling up there. Um, and I suppose it's at that point. I know, obviously, you read a lot about the kind of complaints from people live who couldn't see it, and there's still actually issues on the VOD in terms of um, being able to see it um, quite clearly exactly what happened. And like you say, he sort of felt like he he threw himself off. Um, I'm slightly, I suppose, I felt better about Elijah having seen the match with Davy Jones, or Danny Jones, I should say. Mm. And this was better than that from Gorilla Preston and in deep conversation. Um, but I'm wondering how much of that is really sort of Drew Parker in a sense that, you know, felt a lot more, I felt a lot more connection with that character. Sure. So, I mean, you, mm. you mentioned Danny Jones there. I think another big thing about this match, it was set up, wasn't it, for, you were teasing uh, stuff with Danny Jones and Elijah and then, uh, naturally at the end, uh, Flash Morgan Webster, who's making uh, returns to many different promotions at the moment, made uh, the big save, didn't he? Setting up a potential match on, on night two as well. So it, very much, it just felt like it more set up this match, didn't it, for, for future things and maybe mm-hmm. for, the, for that spot there through the table. Getting back into tournament action, then the next match on the night was uh, CJ Banks and Sam Bailey, uh, two mm. men I'm very familiar with in the Northwest, against Baden Boar, um, who've been doing, I think have been doing really good work in ICW as a team. I believe they're called the Marauders there as well. Um, when I was watching the, these guys, I was actually thinking, oh, these guys would, would have fit great in ECW back in the day. Yeah. And I suppose ICW has a kind of element of ECW to it, and there's obviously a strong influence there. So they see, to me, I haven't actually 
seen them in ICW, um, but I know that they, they beat Polo Promotions for the tag titles. Was it was that at Square Go they beat them? I've got a feeling. Yeah, the the, the Rumble show not long ago. Yeah, Square Go. Yeah, um, yeah. So I, I I I think they're yeah a great fit in that sort of promotion. They've got the kind of image and the kind of gimmick down that would suit an ICW, I think. But then I like how, even though ICW and Attack are quite different promotions, in a way there is crossover because that comedy aspect and that kind of brawling aspect can almost be used in a different context when you uh, bring a team like this into Attack, I think. They can kind of adapt the style a little bit to fit into a more comedy-focused promotion. Um, I thought this was perfectly fine, to be honest with you. Um it, it maybe went a little bit too long. That was what, maybe my only criticism of it. But uh, Burden Ball looked like they're a really solid team. So I wouldn't mind seeing it booked in a few more different promotions going forward, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a little bit like the you know the earlier match we were talking about, the models. I mean, Banks and mm-hmm. Bailey, again, might not be familiar to Attack fans. Again, good friends of, of Chris Travis, um, obviously in this tournament, as a, as a tribute mm-hmm. to him. Uh, CJ Banks used to be known as a C-Juice. He's a... He's, he works a lot up here in the northwest, but not so much down south. He's over the last ten years or so. He's he's got a really good reputation as just a really really good in-ring worker. Mm-hmm. I know that uh, Fergal Devitt, Prince, uh, sorry, Finn Balor was uh, singing his praises when he worked him a couple of times over here as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but he does a lot of the, you know, the Mega Slam kind of card. You know, you know what I mean. Your, your family camp kind of shows. He, yeah, he does. Yeah. Whereas Bailey. Was, I mean, both of them were on the ITV special as well, weren't yeah. they? So they're supposed to get their the name out to these promotions a little bit more. Uh, I do think it's funny. It's like you look at, you know, a, a Banks and a Bailey and you say that, oh, well, the work in attack here and they're going to be getting the name out there and they're going to, you know, they uh, might get some more eyes on them. And you think, well, actually, you know, they, they, the likes of Banks especially work in all those holiday camp shows. And mm. I know Danny Hope's got his promotion up here, NWWA, that no, that doesn't seem to get much traction, that does almost a 1,000 people on attendance. Really? Uh, yeah, but then you come to a show like this where there's only 200 people in the crowd and there's probably a few hundred of us watching on VOD, but it's weird that with Attack being very much at the forefront of people's minds and being mm. kind of one of the, the cool promotions, it's mm. still, even though technically it's less people, um, there's something to be said for you know your reputation getting out there, and I thought yeah, Banks and, and Bailey did really well. I think uh, Banks, especially with his lots of the uh, beer-based uh, offense, um, getting chance going for for Sam Booker for for Sam Bailey as <laughs> yeah. well. Uh, I know I, I thought it was funny as well that CJ Banks is doing this beer gimmick, essentially Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, and he mistakenly said at one point that he'd gone and got his beers from Sainsbury's, which yeah. uh, got some jeers from the crowd. Apparently, he was uh, he's too posh for the attack crowd, and uh, probably for me as well. Uh, sadly, he hadn't uh, gone to Little to get his beers. <laughs> for you and then, mate, up in Liverpool. <laughs> Indeed. Hey, there's a Sainsbury's not too far from my house, gotta be honest. It's <laughs> quick, I got, still I, got it. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I go to Sainsbury's on payday only. I mean, Little's, uh, Little's normally a good shout. Um, <laughs> but yet again, I think it was, a, as far as a match goes, it was a it was a good setup, wasn't it, for uh, uh, introducing some new characters uh, to, the, to the audience and, again, uh, have uh, Baird and Boar still looking strong as well, um, as far as the match goes. So moving on then, next match again, two more new faces, Project Lucha uh, mm-hmm. took on FSU. I think 
when you see the card, this was the obvious uh, choice to go on last uh, as far as the main event is, is night one. I did notice you could see in the crowd as well that uh, some of the roster were, were watching this one as yeah. well. Uh, Martin Kirby is obviously well known as, uh, as Chris Travis's former tag team partner. El Aguero, one of his best friends. And FSU, probably the, I would describe them as the funnest uh, tag team in the world. Uh, what, would you, what would you guys think of, of this as, uh, as the main event for night one? I really enjoyed this. Yeah, I think it was the best match on the card. Absolutely. Which, I mean, given the people involved, it was kind of never going to be anything else, really. It was always, it was always going to be good. It was always going to be enjoyable. And I think it is, as soon as you hear party hard, I think you, you just let yourself go. Certainly live, if ever anyone's ever, ever seen FSU live, I mean, it, it, they're great to watch. I mean, it kind of works entirely with, with the music as well. Um, and it was just completely, I thought it was absolutely, rock solid eddie dennis has really improved a lot over the last certainly over this last year where he's become one of the the kind of wonderful mainstays of of british and indie wrestling without getting as much recognition as everybody else um i mean obviously mark andrews everyone's familiar with um it was nice seeing martin kirby i won't like outside of the what culture environment as well i've <laughs> had um, enough about them today <laughs> yes we have we've, we've, we've got into that too much um but yeah, really enjoyed it. Thought there was um, lots of really good double the double team moves um, throughout. Um, bit surprised by the finale, but it worked quite well given the fact that El Ligero obviously being one of Chris Travis's best mates and Martin Kirby, Kirby his former tag partner. But it was it was a surprise really. It wasn't what you think of as Triple H booking with no, not at all. <laughs> Mark Andrews getting himself over and no one else. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was an interesting one, wasn't it? I mean, we've kind of said on our previous show about the weird world of WWE UK and who can work where and who can do mm-hmm. what. I thought, I, I mean, I'm watching it thinking there's no way Mark Andrews can go through because can they really, are they going to include him in the VOD? Um, obviously, when the VOD did eventually come out, then he's on it. Um, and this was booked in Red Pro the next night as well. Yeah. Ah, so there's that too. So there you go. There's your other tip off as well. But I suppose with the, it being the the charity element to it, um, I'm guessing that, that Andrew's got himself a bit of an exemption here. Mm-hmm. Um, surprised Pete Dunn wasn't on the show, but yeah. Yeah, these these rules just don't seem to completely make sense, do yeah, they? It's really inconsistent because yeah. on the, the last attack show, the um, what was it called? Gorilla. Gorilla Preston in Deep Conversation. We, we obviously had the Pete Dunn surprise appearance and he did a six man or six in person, six person intergender match uh, with Nixon New and Kaylee Ray. That wasn't the VOD. And then Mark Andrews is popping up here. So I'm thinking like, oh, what, what, what is going on with these rules? Are they, mm. have they changed since that show in some way? Have they relaxed the rules in some way since that show? Mm. One of the things I wonder as well is who do they go, I wonder who they go through to get approval to do these shows. I wonder like what process they have to go through or how far in advance it's got to be approved. Because we're seeing all these um, Lucha Forever shows popping up, which I'm pretty sure Pete Dunne, does he, I'm pretty sure he's got some involvement in the, that promotion as well, from what I've heard. You might know a little bit more, Benno. But he's the British song side announced on all of those shows. Mm. Yeah. Andrews is on a lot of them as well. So, I'm, yeah, you sort of question what is going on at the moment. I think, it, I mean, those promotions seem to be, as far as I know, it's Ryan Smile and it's Will Ospreay, but you're right, yeah. Pete Dunder seems, even though he can't be on the iPay-per-view because it's on Flow Slam, he seems to be doing all the live shows, so, yeah, maybe there's a bit of a connection there, but, yeah, you need to, 
it's hard it's hard going trying to work out these days exactly who can do what and who can work for where and who's got a contract um but yeah it was good that i think that you know considering the occasion considering it was a you know a show where a lot of money was going to charity and it was for a good occasion that that mark andrews was uh was able to to, to, to do it here but i think yeah as far as you meant touch on it there, JP. We're talking about you know the maybe the the, the best friend of uh, Chris Travis and his former tag team partner. So it makes sense that in the main event in night one, um, yeah. you put them over. Uh, again, I'd agree with you. It was a fun match. It was a bit of comedy early with you know with the dancing spots etc. But yeah. it turned into a into a really good match, didn't it? With lots of you know near falls running to the end. I love that the Kirby uh, uses the sable bomb uh, <laughs> of all things. It always makes me laugh when he shouts that out. He's, you know, with all with the genuine. Just very serious and very genuine when he calls it as his, <laughs> as his big move, the sable bomb. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Um, but again, watching a, watching a bold man in pink uh, trunks shout sable bomb is just I don't know. <laughs> there's just like a juxtaposition that's going on. Yeah, with him that's just just makes it funnier. And I think him using that type of moving attack as well as as a finisher. Yeah. sort of fits the promotion doesn't it fits kind of what it's about um with the kind of comedic aspect and i suppose this show overall as a show i thought it was designed to make you feel good it's a yeah. show dedicated to chris travis obviously who sadly passed away and this was a feel-good show i came out of this show feeling like quite positive about british wrestling um feeling quite a beat and i think it really fulfilled what it was looking to do there and also given all the controversy about the the other Chris uh, Travis show that was announced by another promotion who I won't name. Um, given all the controversy with that, it was good to have certainly his name associated with the tournament that was fun and yeah. sold out and raised a lot of money for a really great cause. So there was like, that was the thing about it. I think you're almost willing to kind of, take less of a critical approach when watching a show like this where you're thinking actually i'm just looking really for something fun and i think that's the case though isn't it for any attack show i think you watch attack and you know you're maybe not expecting five star classic matches although you might get some really really strong matches but it's about the characters isn't it and it's about fun it's not a work rate promotion at all is it you say that the six month baby match that we missed i think you know i've heard that was very much jerry briscoe in his prime Oh, yeah. Well, that pull, pulls us nicely into into night two. I mean, yeah, on on those the first two nights. In fact, I'm oh, sorry, on both nights, uh, there were instances where the attack twenty four seven champion uh, Warren, who was a a fan who we talked about on the last show, uh, yeah. who happened to to win the belt. I think at one point he lost his belt to uh, a six month old baby. Uh, yes. But then they announced that the baby couldn't sign its rights away to be on Vimeo. Uh, therefore, the baby was no longer the champion and it went back. And I think he beat a fan as well. I think it was the winner of the raffle. Uh, they used the same uh, Vimeo excuse, which uh, ties into what we were just saying about Mark Andrews and Pete Dunne. Um, but yeah, night two, it kind of, I think, that what a notable thing from what we're talking about there is that, you know, we'd just gone into how great it was that Mark Andrews was allowed to appear on night one. He didn't. He was. He had a match on night two, but it's not on the VOD. He had a match with Lycos, a non-tournament yeah. match, um, and that wasn't allowed to make the VOD. So again, it kind of makes me scratch my head a little bit as to as to very what's good. going on there and what very politics are at play. Very, very odd indeed. It just still seems so inconsistent. That's the yeah. thing that really sort of I don't know frustrates me when it comes to this. Uh, first match proper. Then on the second night, uh, back out again. We got Project Lucha uh, working against Burden Boar. 
Again, it was another match where I think you kind of got the structure of the matches in this tournament. You mm. kind of it would start with a, there was a lot of comedy with you know Bird and Boar, the whole the spot with uh, with Wild Boar being unable to to get his foot onto the second rope and then trying to get it onto the uh, the top rope and a lot of uh, wacky lucha spots from Laguero and Kirby. But again, I felt it really it really built into a, a strong match this one, didn't it? It was I felt sort of similar to it as the way I felt about the opener on night one. It was like a nice introduction into the night, and, and it kind of felt like because having seen night one obviously first, and then waiting for the night two to come out, and again, fair play to G Man for working uh, working so quickly on it. It it was a, it felt like a really nice intro for that, and I'm I'm enjoying. And, and I didn't really say too much about Bird and Boar earlier on. Mm. I I can see this. I mean, in terms of them, I'd, I'd like to see... I think there's now enough potential and enough openings for them to be working in a few promotions. Yeah. Um, and it would be it'd be nice even to see them up in progress. I know... Um, I could see it. You could see them in the riots being booked. Yeah. You could, I remember seeing um, Wild Boar in Endeavour, didn't he? He was in one of the mains for, for, for Endeavour. But yeah, in regards, in regards to this match, it, it felt like a hell of a lot of fun. And... Um, and in the end, you know, it was it was one of those kind of classic opening matches where it didn't there wasn't too much. It wasn't like you were kind of left breathless by, by the end of it, but it really got you into the mood for watching another two hours of wrestling, which um, which it did. So it completely achieved what I imagine it was setting out to do. Again, another match to to set up Project Lucha moving on in the tournament. Yep. Uh, Kirby with the backslide victory, and I did like that. You know, Bird and Ball for all being the uh, the dastardly heels in attack because of the you know the nature of the tournament. They put aside the differences and uh, and shook the hands of uh, the two men who were the, the rightful winners here. Uh, moving on to the second match, then uh, Bolarama. Uh, ba- allegedly, it was going to be Bolarama against the models. So we mentioned yesterday that there was uh, those issues with uh, yeah. pins the day before. Uh, Lloyd Katz got on the microphone here and specifically said that apparently Splits McFins had broke his face, yes. uh, which <laughs> pretty much he had. Uh, so they, they, they did the very attack here, thing here where they had a bit of a, a raffle. Uh, I believe everybody who was in the front <laughs> row uh, had a ticket. They teased that it was going to be Warren um, co- coming, the, uh, the Attack 24-7 champion who was seated front row. But no, they actually, uh, it was CJ Banks who came out, who won the raffle, with his, uh, his ticket number 316. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> perfect perfect gimmick for him, considering he's doing the Steve Austin thing. Perfect yeah. considering that's actually the date right now as we record as well, 316. Oh, yeah. uh, and he actually learned his lesson as well after the day before, abandoning his tag team partner, Sam Bailey, to, to go to that evil Sainsbury's and, uh, and get his beer, uh, which allowed the, the, that team to lose. This time he'd gone to Lidl uh, and he came out <laughs> with his beers. Um, it was a fun match, I thought. He, him as the the tag team partner, uh, as as they renamed, I think they called themselves was a Boozerama, Boozerama against the models. Again, lots of comedy with the models strutting in uh, and Juice boozing uh, his way through the match. Uh, what did you guys make of it? I thought it was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I had a good laugh. I enjoyed the Stone Cold stuff. Um, it's been done before with the the Shark Boy stuff previously. Yeah. Uh, but it's still always quite a good laugh, to be honest. The context, it kind of worked for, for this type of show. Like I said earlier, it's meant to be a feel-good show. Uh, so I, I got where they were coming from with it. I loved yeah. how they th- thought up on the fly of it, of, of managing to work him in there, working their name, given the situation with Splitsman yeah, Pins. Yeah. That, and, and also, 
when watching it, I was thinking, oh, hang on, it's going to be Warren again. And, I, and then I started to think, are they paying him? Because he really is at the point now where he should not be paying for entry. <laughs> He's now become an integral part of the show. Um, I'd so, love to find out more about how that all came about and like, yeah. what has gone on since, because it is fascinating, I've got to say. And next time I see him at a show, I'm just going to quiz him, just go like, Seriously, I really hope you're and getting he's one of the boys now, mate. He won't reveal anything. He won't, will he? Unless he's Matt Ridley, tells you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I thought it was a fun match. Yeah. I think uh, it, they made for a good team, Lloyd Cat yes. and, uh, and C- uh, CJ Banks. I think that I enjoyed the spots where, I mean, Lloyd Cat, he's, he's a little bit rough. There was a point where he, I think he almost yeah. dropped Danny Hope on his head at one point, and it kind of it works. He's got like this bumbling, oaf bowling guy character where yep. he's trying to teach CJ Banks how to bowl, and he's uh, falling flat on his face. Again, just a, just a great, just fun gimmick, which uh, sums up the, uh, the promotion as a whole. And CJ Banks just, if night one there was allusion to a, uh, the Steve Austin thing I think he was straight up aping him in this match doing yeah. stunners and uh, the pose along the top rope and everything all that stuff they, they even tried and they, they brought uh, Sam Bailey back out and they did a bit of a, a twin magic spot with him in uh, CJ Banks <laughs> which I'm not quite uh, <laughs> I don't think that one that one quite worked uh, there it was uh, very funny though at the time but yeah I, I felt like I mean for me I thought this was one of the matches of the tournament maybe not so much as a as an in-ring sort of match uh, just more as just comedy uh, I just thought it was a really really strong uh, encounter and the crowd seemed a lot more familiar with the models as well by by, by, the, by this point so it did feel like there was a kind of nice progression um throughout the evening especially when you're getting up to the up to the main event as well which we'll talk about in a bit so we then took a bit of a break from tournament action uh elijah mm-hmm. back out again for his match with uh, flash morgan webster uh we mentioned about uh, some of the stuff that happened on the previous day uh, i believe that on the the podcast that afternoon uh, flash morgan webster did a live podcast and they had yes. uh, Elijah out there. Uh, they were arguing back and forth, leading to a challenge for a match uh, based on the stuff with Drew Parker the previous night. Uh, Flash Morgan Webster, he, he started to uh, you know reappear everywhere now. He's he was in the uh, the six man tag that we took the within progress. Um, I believe he'd worked progress on chaos previous to this as well. But I mean, I would. I mean, he looks a little bit smaller than he did uh before his injury which is to be expected considering you know he, he was laid out for that long but i've actually I, i've thought that he's looked really good in his in his comeback matches and it, it doesn't appear that he's lost much of a step has he i thought when he got picked up the injury as well he was really sort of coming into his own at that point uh mm-hmm. really really unfortunate timing because it was in the uh cruiserweight tournament qualifier the other zach saber jr as well which I think is one of the best matches I've seen Flash Morgan Webster have, considering the injury as well. So I think, obviously, he was very disappointed at the time, and he was quite vocal about it online. Um, so I'm, I'm really glad to see him back, to be honest, because he's obviously got a real passion. Um, his podcast, I listen to sort of semi-regularly as well, and he's uh, he just seems like a really nice, genuine guy. Um, the match itself, I thought he looked quite good in. Mm-hmm. Um I'm not a massive fan of Elijah, like I said, but I think he got, I think he definitely got something out of him. Um, one thing I did think was missing from this, there were certain points that I think they they figured there would be more heat with the crowd at certain points, like when they were brawling, and mm. the crowd was kind of dead. Um, and I think that the crowd... is something I noted as well. Yeah, I think it was there wasn't much heat for the match, was there? Uh, considering mm. you know everything that happened on the podcast and you know with yeah. the angles the day before to build it up, you probably would have expected a bit more, wouldn't you? Yeah, and there was almost like this nervous kind of awkwardness from the crowd. It was almost like they became aware that they weren't like 
like lending that heat to the match. So mm. it felt like there was almost like a conscious effort to get into the match. But I never thought they truly grabbed the crowd at any point. Mm. I don't know if this might have worked differently in a different environment. Maybe this wasn't the right environment for this type of match, considering the whole comedy kind of um, approach to the card itself. So maybe the crowd weren't really wanting this style of match. Um, maybe that was the issue. I think um, the big things probably as well, with it being night two of a tournament like this, you'd imagine most of the crowd have been uh, been out the night before, uh, oh, had yeah, a few yeah. days, <laughs> had to get up early for a podcast, so maybe that's part of it as well. True, true. It felt like that for the Super Strong style last year, didn't it? Most definitely. Where it was yeah. like by day two, you're thinking, yeah, this is this is hard work. So I can imagine the audience feeling that as well. And it did start to feel like that was when the fatigue had set in. And it also by this point, I think there'd been another two matches that we hadn't, um, that, that weren't on the VOD, obviously with the Mark Andrews and then the Attack 24-7 title as well. So I wondered whether at that point, whether or not the fatigue had set in with the yeah, crowd. quite possibly. Um, that, that most of them appeared to be there for over the two days. So they seemed, they seemed pretty tired. As a match itself, I, I enjoyed it. I probably enjoyed this as much as I've enjoyed watching Flash Morgan Webster. Um, and it's nice to kind of, almost he's kind of coming at the same kind of step I mean or not much off it which is really good there wasn't that too much ring rust going on I thought so yeah I'm I'd imagine giving him a month and given the situation within British wrestling there's a lot of potential for Flash Morgan Webster going forward one thing I love with Flash Morgan Webster is I love doing a bit of fantasy booking regarding yeah. uh, scenarios based around quadrophenia and how you can book <laughs> Flash Morgan Webster so I always want a situation where he like comes down to the ring with like a crew of guys on a like their mopeds and in their parkers, <laughs> and then like a big brawl kicks off. Like I, I, when, I, when him and Jimmy Havoc were uh, alongside each other in that progress match the other week, I was thinking, hold on, mods, king of the cops, <laughs> rockers, they should be getting on this, ain't yeah. like, they? I've heard people say that that they can't get behind him as a babyface because he's doing a mod gimmick. I mean, that's probably yeah, <laughs> that's going a little bit too far. It, it makes uh, me like him more in this really odd way, and I'm not yeah. saying I'm some sort of mod. But I love quadrophenia, um, yeah. and I, I like uh, the jam and Paul Weller. So yeah. there are little like references that he throws in that I'm kind of thinking to myself, oh, how could you like? I'd love to see him accompany to the ring by I don't know Pete Townsend or something. It's never going to happen. Maybe so, maybe Phil Phil Daniels, Leslie Ash. Yeah, oh, the dream. Or I've, I've proposed to my brother a scenario where he takes um, someone up a back alley, maybe on a show in Brighton. As a, as a quick fumble with her, like in Quadrophenia, and then we cut to the match. I, I'm talking absolute rubbish. This show has gone way off the rails. Yeah. Oh. We've gone from talking about <laughs> Sainsbury's and Little to Morrison's and Quick Save, and, and here we are now. <laughs> um, Sorry, guys. <laughs> Next on the show, we had Chief Deputy Dunn back out. Um, he came out and he said that uh, no man could beat him which is the perfect uh, opportunity for, for Nixon Newell to come yes. out. I mean, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I always find uh, when I watch Attack, I mean, I'm not a huge, I'm not a proponent of intergender matches by any means. I remember I took my girlfriend to a show and uh, she was pretty much horrified by a, a certain uh, man-on-woman match. And there, there are definitely times where even if you, you know, you look at it and, you know, I listened to a podcast with Lana Austin, who used to train at GPW where I trained and she was talking about how, you know, men and, men and women um, 
um, are all training together, so why can't they just wrestle each other? Why can't the men treat the, the women as equal to the men? And there's that side of the argument, but there's definitely parts in matches, aren't there, that just make you just feel just a little bit uncomfortable from the yeah, subtext. Yeah, but I would say, as far as anyone doing it, both Attack and Nixon Newell, they do it really well. And I, I quite, I, I mean, I would say I quite enjoyed this match. I don't know what your guys' feelings are on the subject. It's my favourite match on uh, over the two two days, I think. Yeah. To be honest with you. And I think it, it helped. I was I watched um, the PWG Mystery Vortex show, and that opened up with Trent Barretta and Candice LeRae. So I kind of was already in that kind of intergenta mood, so to speak. That's not a euphemism <laughs> for anything else. Um, so I, yeah, so I was I was kind of thinking. There's going to be a lot kind of, of editing on this show. There really is, isn't it? Um, <laughs> so I I really I really enjoyed it, and I I have to say I've always enjoyed Nixon Newell's work. Um, and you can you can see why she's why she's been signed up to WWE really. We think, and we think hopefully because she should be, frankly. Um, and so yeah, I really enjoy this. And again, it it kind of it works perfectly given the the cheap deputy done character, given the anti fun police as well. Um, really enjoy this kind of intergender match, which is enough where it, it doesn't feel excessively violent. No, because I, I think... thought it was quite a basic uh, match, and they, yeah. didn't do, they didn't do a massive amount, uh, which I thought was great, because it suited suited the start yeah. of the match, it suited what they needed to do in the match. They weren't sort of going gung-ho, which is what I quite liked about the match, uh, and there was nothing, there wasn't that spot that made me really cringe. There wasn't that kind of male-female violence yeah. that you might see in other male versus female matches, where you kind of think, oh, God, that just makes me feel kind of uncomfortable. I didn't think that yeah. was present in this at any point, really. Everything looked very safe. Um, the, the the final spot, the spear, mm. where Nick Newell came off the top rope, like, it, it looked great, but at the same time, it looked safe as well. It looked yeah. like they knew what they were doing. It looked like she landed quite well. Um, yeah, I thought this was a really fun match. I, f- I love the... I love Chief Deputy Dunn. This gimmick's great. Uh, I... I, I I don't know how this would travel with other promotions, but he is—he has really impressed me this year so far with this gimmick and the way he works within the gimmick as well. Mm. Like the way he sells within the gimmick suits the kind of comedy aspects of this character, for example. Yeah. Um, and Nixon Newell, I thought, was awesome in this. I think I think she's um, probably the best female wrestler in the UK at the moment, yeah. personally. But then, but then again, I think if you're gonna if you're gonna have intergender matches, this is the template which you follow, which is there's kind of an emphasis on comedy, but not too much comedy, so you don't lose the kind of competitive aspect from it. Yeah. That it's that there's that everything you could enjoy it without thinking, oh god, that looks horrible. Um, so yeah, I I think this is you know for me it was it was it was probably my personal favourite match of of the weekend in terms of. I suppose something that I wasn't expecting to enjoy as much as what I did. Uh, okay, moving on then. The, our next match and our last match before the uh, the tournament final. Yeah, the shooting star four-way. Um, essentially, it was the uh, the stragglers who either weren't in the tournament or were out of the tournament. It was uh, Raven, Danny Jones, Sam Bailey. We had the Drew Beast, Rhino, uh, Drew Parker, doing a Rhino gimmick here, um, and Brendan White. Um, I quite enjoyed it. Um, I feel really sad for, for Danny Jones coming out with his sign that the uh, the rave is over after uh, Elijah stole his uh, his whistle, uh, which is very sad. And yeah, I enjoyed Drew Parker out there as as the uh, the Drewish Rhino. Um, it was a funny match because I, I did notice in the match there was a couple of 
weird landings and awkward injuries here. Injuries here. I think that uh, Drew Parker managed to get a bit of a soft t- tissue damage. I don't know if you noticed when he, he landed yes. awkwardly off the top rope. Uh, I noticed somebody say that Danny Jones hurt his eye in this one as well. Uh, so yeah, for a for a comedy match, there were quite a few casualties, weren't there? Yeah, it was. I, I wasn't particularly. I don't know. This felt very haphazard to me. Mm. Um, when watching it, it was, yeah, like you say, and I think that probably was the injuries as much as anything else. It kind of really took away the momentum of the match. Um, it felt, I found it felt a little bit pointless. <laughs> it was one of the, let's get these guys on the card type matches. Uh, Break things up, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Type of match you get on sort of a, a, a WrestleMania. Well, I'm not comparing this to WrestleMania, but you know, you get matches on WrestleMania, it's like, we must get everyone on the card. Yeah. Let's sure. throw this on there. And you're kind of thinking, oh, this is kind of treading water before the main event. Let's just get to it, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the positive, I'd probably say it was it was a good way of getting Brendan White on the card, maybe giving him a little bit of a yeah. you know, a little bit of a shine and a and a strong win. But yeah, you're right. It almost felt like just a way of breaking up the card uh, before mm. the exceptionally uh, long main event that was to come. Yes. Indeed. So yeah. speaking of that main event, uh, <laughs> I think it was if you'd have looked at the brackets uh, beforehand, um, I'm not quite sure you might have uh, picked this one out. I think it was there was always a chance that uh, the Project Lucha <coughs> were going to go this far. I think the the models uh, really impressed as well as the tournament went on. So I suppose it wasn't a huge uh, surprise this match. I mean, I've got pages and pages of notes on this one just because of the amount of things happened in it. I mean, I don't even know how you summarise this match. I mean, what was it? It was it was a spectacle, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, how would you describe? How would you describe this match? I mean, I think it was just absurd from the start, wasn't it? Um, you know, Ligero playing around in the in the streamers, um, yeah. all the different uh, standoff spots. Joey Hayes getting made fun of for uh, for skipping leg day. I mean, it got to a point, didn't it, where there was just. I mean, they did the spot where uh, Danny Hoper he was getting his hair pulled, even though there actually isn't any left there. Same with Martin Kirby, and they just gave a point where Shea so the referee, just sat down in the middle of the ring and essentially just gave up, didn't he? <laughs> it was just yeah. like I'm not having any more of this. He's great. <laughs> He's so he good is. in his role, isn't he? So important yeah. to the promotion, uh, Shea Persa. Especially when they do the one, two, three. We, we hate you, Shane. Yeah. It's just <laughs> great. Um, I did find I did find with this match, I'm a little bit honest, mm. but I did get a little bit like, come on, guys, just get on with it now, <laughs> if I'm honest. Uh, yeah, I did. Like, it was fun. Um, I imagine being there live, this was a lot of fun and a nice way to end the weekend. Um, I don't know if it translated so well to VOD, personally. Um I think that's the way with a lot of comedy matches, isn't it? Sometimes, yeah, most definitely, most definitely. And I think for me, I really like comedy matches to break up a card. Um, I think they really break up cards quite nicely, and they have their role on a card. But when you see, and I totally understand why we've got two days of comedy, but when you've seen two days up to now, I don't know. I was a little bit comedied out at this point, I suppose. And then this, there was so much of it that. Yeah, I wouldn't say I got bored, but I just wanted I just wanted something a little bit different at this point, I suppose. I think, well, that, they kind of switched it up, though, didn't they? I mean, that's, Did, you mentioned yeah. Shea Pearce. I mean, he is so important to the promotion, and he kind of, he was the, the focus, I suppose, in the middle of the match, where he essentially decided that he'd had enough. He'd had enough of Ligero attempting spinneroonies and whims and people getting grabbed by the horns and by the tassels, and he essentially declared himself the winner, uh, which would have been quite the way to uh, to end the tournament. 
Um, out came Stone Cold CJ Banks, uh, now the yes. referee, hit him with a stunner. Um, and they, they turned it into something uh, of more of a, a serious match, although there still was, you know, a fair amount of comedy in there. But at least they, they kind of finally got down, didn't they? And it turned into a, a bit more of a, a serious match. Although, uh, if a serious match involves a sable bomb, um, that's just uh, one of those things. <laughs> I, I just enjoy kind of the symmetry as well of the match, kind of ending how it began with Joey Hayes and Martin Kirby exchanging roll-ups until Kirby just got the straight pin, uh, clean in the middle, no hijinks, no nothing, um, just a, a nice, genuinely emotional moment at the end for, for Martin Kirby, uh, of all people, to get the win here, and it was just a it was just a nice moment to watch, wasn't it? It really was. Um, and also as well, I think it was Danny Hope gave the speech after the match as well, and he was um, completely welling up. Um, uh, alongside them, and, and the fact that they raised, they they actually man- they did a little bit. Um, they got they got four thousand nine hundred ninety pounds, didn't they? That was on the night, yeah, a, yeah. On the night, and there's a few fans ran up and gave them a fiver, like <laughs> um, for that to get. Them well, they were selling wristbands, weren't they? They were selling the wristbands, over. and it was, yeah. and that was, and that was really lovely. And the fact that they had um, Chris Travis's theme music playing afterwards as well. I think the Guerrero obviously was was very emotional and in tears and they were saying and he, and he you've got no words to express it and he was like mm, just sort of shaking his head as you do um so it was I'd, I'd have to say i mean the main i personally i was just knackered by the point i i saw i saw the main so i was i was very tired and i was like okay so i don't think i was as much at the races with with this match by that point in the card but i definitely kind of sort of perked up near the end um enjoyed enjoyed um enjoyed the finish and it was and it was there was a lovely it was just a lovely moment when they finished off the show with um all of the uh all of the wrestlers coming out into the ring and well that's what's at the heart of it isn't it i mean you know these were a a fun couple of shows and a light nice uh showcase for attacking their talent and some new faces as well but what's at the center of it i mean that you touched on it before jp there was some uh controversy with uh other promotions and you know money going to charity but you look at you know a, a really it's a tragic thing chris travis you know in the prime of his yes. life 32 years old one of the best wrestlers in the country um in his death and in his to be honest in the work that he put in with the uh, Cavendish cancer care yeah thousands and thousands of pounds have been raised for this charity and for for other cancer charities i was uh, listening to an interview with uh, with one of the the, the ladies who works uh, for the Cavendish Cancer Care, and they were saying they've just been bowled over by the literally we're talking you know fifteen sixteen thousand pounds um, just from wrestling fans, oh, wow. wrestling companies, uh, all different wrestling companies. I know we've alluded to the issues with PCW earlier, but I know mm-hmm. PCW are a big part of that as well. Yeah. Um, you know, attack themselves raising you know upwards of five thousand pounds. I believe you know if anyone purchases the VOD uh, proceeds portion of that goes towards charity as yep. well it, it just really puts it into perspective really that you know as far as you know our weird uh subculture of uh of wrestling fans can can make a difference here and can make a huge difference to a charity like this and uh, you know essentially uh, affect people's lives no most definitely and the end of the show was very bittersweet um mm-hmm. it was nice it like wrestling doesn't always need to be cynical and i like the fact that um there's a situation such as this one and, and uh, it's given sort of fans 
the chance to pay, and the rest is the chance to pay tribute. But while paying tribute, you know, there's that memory that's there, and there's money that's being raised for a good cause at the same time. So very, very, very positive coming out of this one, I think, and what everything they achieved over the weekend. Again, the, the the tournament was in his name. I mean, Chris Travis. I mean, as far as the talent, I mean, did, were you guys uh, particularly familiar with his work? Did you see a lot of him um, down south and at the promotions that you follow? Well, for me, I saw him live a few times, and that was when he was booked down here. Um, the best match I saw him in was in the Rev Pro, and it was Chris Travis and Martin Kirby, Project Ego, against the Young Bucks in, I think that was March of 2014. And oh, wow. that, that was an absolutely awesome match. Um, I was sort of really, I was blown away by that match. Uh, I've got to say, his role in the match was kind of pivotal to the match as well. You can see the Bucks were loving it as well. I've heard the Bucks mention that match. Uh, when, when he did die, I remember them actually saying uh, about the match on Twitter at the time as well. So obviously they it's created a memory for them as well. You're cool, I suppose. Unique venue coming over to the UK. Um, and that was on an absolutely stellar card. And I think going forward, Rev Pro were looking to book Project Ego a little bit more. But mm. obviously that wasn't able to happen What with mm. what happened soon after, unfortunately. No, that's it. He was a big part of the fabric, it seemed, you know, in progress. It looked like he, you know, was, uh, was obviously making inroads there, had a lot of friends there. He was definitely big up north, I mean, in uh, yeah. PCW specifically. Well, that was uh, a the, promotion, wasn't it? Exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean, the few they had with Chris Masters, I was there live for a couple of those matches. Just absolutely, you know, incredible. I mean, the other one as well, I went to a, a 1PW of all things show up here uh, in Liverpool, and he had, he had a match with Mordecai. And oh, was, my. As in was Kevin, a, Kevin Ford? Jeez. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a bloodbath. Oh, it was absolutely awesome. It was one of the best to that point, one of the best British matches I've ever seen. And yeah, I mean, I know all the guy really. Indeed, Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, yeah. That's one of my most, two of my most disliked gimmicks of all time. Fair play to Chris Travis for getting a good, getting some good at a Mordecai. That's what I'll say for that. That's probably the only time that sentence has ever been uttered. <laughs> I think, but. That's it. So yeah, I mean, one, I'll one thing. I'll check that out later on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pull it up. I don't know if uh, you can still buy stuff from One PW, but oh. uh, <laughs> in any event, yeah. So obviously, Chris Travis a, a huge loss to the uh, British wrestling community, but his name lives on in shows like this. And I'd, I'd say, yeah, Attack did uh, did him did him proud um, and delivered yeah. a really strong couple of days of shows. I mean, t- watching these shows has it made you guys think about uh, maybe visiting Attack at some point? Oh yeah, most definitely. Yeah, um, absolutely. Since going to the Attack Club Pro show, I definitely. Go again um i did uh, shoot a message on twitter asking when they were back in cheltenham because was a, i don't live too far from cheltenham it's mm. reasonably easy to get to from where i am and i did miss a show uh, a few weeks ago because i had a prior engagement but i did message them to ask when they were coming back to cheltenham and i'm pretty sure they said may 13th so uh, I'll be making my way to that one, and if JP wants to join me, he's perfectly welcome. So. I will do. I know they do Bristol, which is where my girlfriend's from. So there's there's one of the things that she, I mentioned about the Trinity Centre. She's like, oh yeah, I used to do choir practice in there. Apparently, oh, well, I said it won't quiet, be choir practice. Right? You see that night there. So, but um, so I'm, I'm I would I would really like to go and see them because um, one of the things I was I think I was slightly jealous of when Joe went to the um, Attack Club Pro show. About how much and, and about how much fun going to see Attack was, and so and after the three shows I've seen of them in quite quick succession, and again all the praise in the world to G Man for getting it out so quickly, I, I definitely definitely going to go and see them soon. After watching the shows as well, I definitely do think they are a promotion that you get the most out of 
from watching them live and being <coughs> at the shows. And you would say that for wrestling in general. Yeah. Um, but I do think there are things that go missing a little bit when watching them on VOD and watching them back. Because obviously you have the same connection with the comedy when you're close up and the sort of intimate and sort of intricate nature of it. So I do think they are a promotion to definitely check out live if you get the, uh, if you get the opportunity to. So yeah, I think myself, I'll be making the uh, the pilgrimage at some point, I think, uh, a little bit further down south to the Cafe's Community Centre. That's right, I'm a part of it, right? Cates. Damn it, Cates, yeah. I'll get there eventually, <laughs> to the Cates, and uh, obviously I think anyone listening to this um, or watching them on demand should definitely check out Attack. So that pretty much brings us to the end of our show today. Um, before we go, guys, uh, just to let people know, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at BensonRichardE. Um, you can also find the Indie Corner on Twitter, at the Indie Corner. Uh, guys, do you want to tell uh, the people where they can find you on the internet this week? Yeah, so Lemsip. That's Lemsip with four P's. And JPJP. And that's JPJIP. <laughs> Triple E. So our links to our Twitter will be in the show notes there if any of those were hard to follow. Uh, you can find that there. You can also find on theindicorner.com both this podcast, uh, some other podcasts coming up. I'm uh, going to be doing a show uh, with Stu of the Indie Corner looking into Ring of Honor on their 15th anniversary. So keep an eye out for that. And also just check theindicorner.com out for all your news, reviews, results um, and columns about the world of independent professional wrestling. So to wrap the show up, I uh, just want to say thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, we're going to end the show on uh, a song that I think probably best uh, wraps this show up. Uh, a tribute to the man himself, Chris Travis. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you again soon.